What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and today we have Mr. BBM himself, legendary upside, the man who has never drafted a running back before, besides what he took too early and shipped BBM3. How is it going? Pat Corain, welcome to the channel. It's going good. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Ron. This will be fun. <laughs> now, I saw, you know, you took your winnings and you built something, which I think is really cool. Um, you built legendary upside, which, by the way, everybody on my channel probably knows at this point, like, probably the last two years, I have referenced your legendary running back article, which I think is, like, probably, I think it's it's one of those articles that I think has really stood the test of time. Like, I think in terms of, like, drafting, I'm going into drafts with, I think, your legendary running back article is great. Of course, like, the dead zone running back stuff. And then Seagulls, you know, drafting through the flex and then having like more than that. I think if you sort of combine those three, you're pretty much good to go. But what I will say is since you dropped that article, we haven't really had a true legendary running back season since that yeah. year. You know what I mean? In terms of like those big like 22.5 plus points per game. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is, do you feel responsible for that? Um, but on a <laughs> serious note, do you think um, like do you, do you think we have one in 2023? I, I would say I think we have had one. And just one in each of the last two seasons. If you look at what Jonathan Taylor did through 17 weeks, rather than going to, through the full 18 game season, he was there um, with this arbitrary threshold that I used of 23 PPR points per game um, with with a minimum of 12 games play. That was kind of the arbitrary threshold that I that I used for this. Uh, Taylor Taylor got there through 17 weeks, I believe, and then Eckler did last year as well. But of course, whether or not we get one back who um, exactly meets those thresholds is, isn't really that important. What's important is, is there a back who scores a ton of points and separates from the other running backs in a very meaningful way? And I, I think Taylor and Eckler both completed that, um, especially because, you know, Eckler was so good in the playoffs as well. Like he really was the guy we were looking for. Um when we were taking early running backs last year, we're looking for that Eckler season. It it wasn't as dramatic and impactful as we've gotten from Christian McCaffrey in years past, or even Todd Gurley in his prime. Um, but I would blame the NFL at large for for that rather than uh, my article. Yeah, hundred percent. And I, it's actually interesting that, um, like, I was looking through it and like, yeah, like. You could call them the uh, you could call them legendary running back in the context of their season, but it's pretty crazy. I think I was looking back like since 2018, so the last five seasons, uh, Eckler and JT didn't even crack like the top eight uh, best points per game season by a running back uh, in mm -hmm. that span. So it's just like I don't know. I, like uh, I I know um of course legendary upside, which is your channel where you have articles coming out. I'm sure you're you're gonna have um like I think one of the must read articles of the summer is when you sort of come out and break down like sort of the the upside case and the downside case for each of those like early round. I'll be doing backs. that. Yeah. Um, I'll be doing that. And it'll be a free article as well. I'm planning to keep that one free. All right. That would be sweet. Uh, I, I was curious, like, uh, do you have any leans? Like, I think like McCaffrey is of course um, the guy, but do you have any leans in, in terms of guys you're chasing early that you think have that upside? Yeah. So the guy, so when I did the article, I did, you know, I kind of made the case of why this was important of, you know, I think people kind of, Generally, when you're drafting, when you, especially as you get into fantasy and it's like, there aren't that many running backs. I'm taking your running back. I got to have points at running back. But running backs come with all this risk. We're often very wrong about uh, how these projections are going to go. Running backs are much easier to project because we can be like, 
you know, this guy's the starter. We expect him to run this many times. He'll have, you know, 65% of those or whatever. And so everyone kind of gets their volume and all of a sudden they look like they're going to score all these fantasy points. But we're often just like wrong about those, you know, backfield depth chart type of uh, decisions as we sit here in July and, you know, in August. And uh, we, we take on a lot of risk when we draft running backs. That's okay. As long as you're getting the requisite upside for that. And, you know, I was pointing out that when you look at like, you'll hear stuff like, you know, the running backs on average are outscoring the wide receivers in this range. And it's like, well, averages work. Like the way averages work is if someone scores a ton of points, it lifts the average up for every for everyone. So all of a sudden, the running back position looks awesome. But it's like, yeah, who cares about those? These guys are just riding the, the coattails of Christian McCaffrey. Let's let's draft Christian McCaffrey in his prime. Um, so that was kind of the first part. And then I was like, all right, well, what do these seasons actually look like? You know, how how many of these guys had awesome offensive lines? How many of them had, you know, a ton of receiving value? Uh, how efficient were they and all that? Um, the answer is kind of like you do want almost everything to be in your favor, but – uh, the receiving value is probably like a, if you had to pick a single thing, it's probably the most important thing. But it's also just like workload is not generally going to be able to get you there. You 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 want a guy who's going to be able to be very efficient. Youth is really important, probably an underrated. I know we talk about youth a lot at running back, but I think it's probably underrated still when we think about who can crush a fantasy season. You're probably talking about a guy on his first contract, maybe 25 or younger. Um, once you hit 26, I'm I'm already starting to be like, is this guy really capable outside of maybe like a McCaffrey type profile of of breaking things? Eckler did it last year as an older back, and and he is a, a receiving elite receiving weapon, which I think is is really important to consider when you're drafting anyone who's a bit older. Um, with all that in mind, the guys who check the boxes, McCaffrey obviously checks a lot of the boxes. Um, Eckler's a little shaky just because he's getting so old. Brees Hall's the guy who really jumped out this year. And we have the ACL tear, so it's harder to fully invest in him. But the market agrees with that, you know, caution. And so you can get a guy who I think probably has the highest upside of any non-McCaffrey back. Because if they just if they play McCaffrey. 80% of the snaps he's gonna he's gonna smash. But of but of all the rest of them, I think Brees Hall probably has the highest upside if he's healthy. Um he showed incredible efficiency last year as a receiver, in addition to as a rusher. He's got size. Uh he's just had a huge quarterback upgrade. You know, overall offensive uh firepower and and, and the ability to put up points is obviously very important to the running back position. Uh, he was highly drafted. He was a great prospect. Uh, this is a team that uh, did show they were willing to lean on him a bit. Um, it was a very small sample of that before he went down. But he's the guy that's really jumped out as like, and even more, I think, than a J- Josh Jacobs or a Madre Stevenson who will go in kind of a similar range. I think he can, He, I mean, honestly, like his profile last year was so impressive. It was on a, it was on a small sample, um, but if he hadn't torn his ACL, I think we'd be talking about him as an early first round pick. You're preaching to the choir. You're like, I'm, I'm a Jets fan and I keep on having to like, am I being a homer? Like by like hammering Brees Hall, you know, like, is this, is this me being a Jets fan or um, is this a profile that 
I don't want to miss out on. And I think as well with the, the win rate stuff. Now, I will say I, I've been researching an article or not an article, but a video myself. Rotoviz actually took down the fanball win rates that I believe you used in the article. Um, mm. But it's interesting because they switched it to like FFPC, which I, the win rates are a little bit off because I don't know if it's tight end premium or whatever. It is um, tight end premium, yeah. And the ADPs and, are slightly different. Yeah. And um, it's interesting that it's kind of like a sliding scale, you know, like the later you go, you don't have to hit a 22.5 plus That's right. for games. So especially with Brees, if, if he starts falling with the Dalvin Cook stuff or like people are going crazy about the pup stuff. Like I, I actually had a tweet. I said, I'll eat this tweet if Brees Hall is in play week one. Like uh, I think that was like a month ago. And I, I will. I will. But I, I think he's playing week one. Um, I think he's playing week one, too. I he comes out on the pup. Some guys in my some guys in my mentions last night at like two a.m. saying num 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 under that tweet. Um, <laughs> well, that was funny because like the pup thing. I think everyone's getting educated right now. Like he's not been placed on the in season pup. That has not happened. Neither has Isaiah yep. Pacheco. Like he just it just means he's not practicing right away in training camp, which has been the expectation for months. So exactly, I don't know. But uh, I also wanted to ask, kind of like uh, before we hop into this draft here, like what what's your volume looking like right now? Because I know me and you. I mean, we're back to back in a mastiff right now. Um, yeah. We're going. I mean, I have a bunch of slow drafts going. I keep on diving into these uh, one-off tournaments that they keep putting out, and then I'm like, man, I like, I got to get close to maxing it. And I got to be honest with you, man. Like my my BBMs right now, I plan to max it, but I'm at 32 right now. Oh so man. So we we're lacking a little bit. Like how how are you kind of dividing up uh, your resources right now? Well, I'm I'm more than halfway through BBM. Uh, I think I'm around 80 or just under 80 BBMs drafted. Um, I, I'm mostly fast draft. I think I draft much better teams fast. And yeah. like people sometimes talk about the competition being a little softer on fast drafts. I think that can be true. I mean, you're way more likely to get a full auto draft out of a, a, a someone in a fast draft. But sometimes that can be frustrating, especially if you have a couple and all the quarterbacks get snapped up or something. To me, though, it's more about I'm trying to build these teams that, you know, are correlated. They have stacks. They're built for week 17. Um, but I'm also doing that without reaching. Right. It's this is possible. This is, you know, the, the straw man of, you know, we're all reaching <laughs> three rounds for uh, a week 17 bring back is is like a total straw man. You can build really correlated teams that make bets on specific offenses that make bet bets on specific games in week 17 and you can do it uh in a way that actually makes the overall team stronger than if you didn't think about that i really feel strongly that that's possible it helps you take guys you don't normally feel comfortable taking it helps yeah. you build a better portfolio because you're getting a guy that you don't normally take but you're getting him in a position on it you know within a group of other players where if he goes off that team is really likely to to do well and advance. And it, it's also really likely to do well if it does get into the week 17 final. So I really prefer fast drafts uh, for pretty much every contest. The only ones that I'm doing slow drafts right, right now are the Mastiff because it doesn't really feel fast. Um, I'll probably end up having to do some more slows on DraftKings, but I've been trying to do the $44 tournament on DraftKings, which is a pretty interesting. It's kind of like a, best ball mania type mm. of thing except it pays out more like two hundred thousand. i think is the top prize but um but it's not quite so big so yeah. I, I i like that one i've been trying to do a lot of stuff on DraftKings. i i probably now 
I mean, I've probably done 700 plus drafts since My since goodness. the NFL season ended. With I know I've done over 500 on Underdog. I've probably done 200 plus on DraftKings. Um, so yeah, I've done a lot of drafts this I'm this off season. I'm at like <laughs> I'm at like 300, and I consider myself a grinder. So I mean, you are. <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't don't let that <laughs> change your mind on that. I mean, it's. Yeah, I've I've just been I've obviously been trying to get more volume down after winning. Of course, um, you know this next year I'll probably be more like three hundred by this time. All right. With that being said, I've decided let's hop into a fast draft of our own. Um, Pete's such a wizard with the the streamyard stuff, man. Like I'm I'm over here like sitting three hours to change the background, but about it. here we are, fast draft central. Oh, I'm getting a call. All right, best ball mania four. Let's hop in one of these. Um, I was also going to pick your brain on. Um, I, I know I, I heard you saying uh, like you star uh, both sides of the week 17 matchup. Are you still uh, are you still doing that when you draft solo? Because I, I've been burned a few times with like, uh, you know, you take Josh Allen early and then you take Dawson Knox like 40 picks <laughs> yeah. ADP because you're just not looking in the 14th or like the 12th round or whatever. I had a team I was loved. I one of my favorite starts, I forget what it is now. It's probably I probably made myself forget, but I have um I think fourth round cam makers on that team, which is not as mm. bad as it could be, but you, you know, it's not early. the way you yeah, it's like if you have a great three player start, you don't want to tack on cam makers right away. Oh, we uh, got the influencer one oh one. We'll take all it. All right. I love it. Um, you have a Probably just Jefferson, but I'm open if you have a case for anybody else. No, I'm Jefferson for sure. But I do, I do star. Um, yeah, on my own, it's it, it kind of scrambles. You know, if I'm if I'm with uh, with guests and stuff, I feel like people are like, "What are you doing?" Pete now this is this is getting super inside baseball because I've been doing it with my uh, slow drafts. Do you get to a certain point in the draft where you you're done starring? Like if you take. If you take a Patriots player in like round fourteen, are you going Bills Patriots even in round fourteen just to star him up? Honestly, I probably would with the Patriots specific, just because they're so easy to backdoor stack, and I don't mind yeah. it. But but yeah, if I take like um, if I take AJ Dillon and it's my first Packer or Viking, I'm not starring like Jaden Reed. Really, that's fair. Um, unless. Unless I really kind of got boxed out of quarterback, and I'm like, this is a path for me to do a Jordan Love thing. It it would be dependent on on that, but generally, I'm like. Um, also, sometimes I just feel you feel a little lazy. You're like, I, I'm not gonna bother starring Jaden Reed because I took AJ Dillon. What, what are we doing? Yeah, that's pretty um, much that's pretty much where I'm at in terms of like right now in terms of slows. I think. I think my goal is for August. I, I don't think I'm going to do any slows in August. Like what? Like we get so busy in August, man. Like I have I'm with you. I have over like I'm literally staring at my phone right now of like I don't know I, I would say probably like 80 slow drafts maybe 100 slow drafts um, and it's just it's just to the point where you wake up the first thing you do is you just you just make sure you didn't get autoed or you, you know you get them all out of the way. Um, I woke up on DraftKings yesterday, pulled up a slow draft, and I had 45 seconds to make a pick. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. a faster. Fast draft, except you haven't yeah. drafting the whole hour. You're just like, oh god, what does this team have? So I, you know, it's slow drafts stress me out, uh, especially on DraftKings where you only have the eight hour clock. It never extends. But I did, I did 150 max the puppy two 
uh, all oh, like wow. almost all slows. Like probably 130 of them were slows. And I did, I like, did something similar with the big board, man. And they started shrinking the timer uh, oh, see, because the draft c- creep crept up on us. So I was sitting there with like 80 drafts with like two hour timers. Like it got it got to the point where like the day before the draft, like I wasn't getting work done. Like I, I was just on the clock. <laughs> you were in fast in perpetuity. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we got a $5 donation from Bindles. I appreciate it, man. Legendary Basement, $2 million Basement. Love this collab. I guess those are those are some nice names for, uh, I guess, a, a merging of the two brands. But yeah, we, had, like we had AJ Brown go fourth. That's interesting. Nothing else. I mean, Devontae eighth. I mean, we have some we have some guys who are throwing ADP to the wind um, in this draft. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, McCaffrey falling this far is... It's pretty surprising, I guess. Once AJ Brown goes fourth, so I, that's just setting up a Hertz thing. I mean, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, I can kind of see it. I, I I have a tough time. I'm curious, like, where are you at on the Eagles' pass offense right now? Because I think everybody's inclined to say that they're all over them. Which, like, sure, they're going to be a good offense. I love the Eagles last year because we were getting a discount, right? Like, we could get so much profit, right? Just saying, like, Hertz can yeah, throw the totally. ball, so AJ Brown, Devonta. And now it's like, man, like we're kind of talking about. I mean, I've seen points that like maybe they're going to pass more, but I mean, like this is a really good team. The division's not crazy strong or anything. Um, like, what if they're just dominant again? And like, we're kind of drafting them at their ceilings. Like, I just have a hard time seeing um, how their absolute smash is where they're going in terms of like AJ Brown and Devonta Smith right now, um, without like an injury to one or the other. I guess. I take I take a lot of AJ Brown where he goes. Um... But it's more about like I don't like, yeah, would I prefer that AJ Brown was the 112? Yeah, that would be much better. Yeah. But it's like I think Diggs has a little bit of question marks now. Um, I think I mean he's in a good spot, but he's another guy that I would prefer be like the 112. There's no there's no one who I'm like, man, this is an amazing 107, 108 pick. Even Kelsey, I wish was a little bit cheaper. Yeah. It's kind of that top six. Assuming we can count on Tyreek after that that boat incident thing, um, that that's or the top five, sorry, and then yeah. Kelsey Kelsey's kind of locked in as your sixth, and so, but I I do like AJ Brown I think more than most analysts. Um, I just think he's really good. The offense is amazing, and his single week upside is not in question. Like he yeah. can he can put up a huge week, which I feel better about him than Devonte Smith that way. I feel the exact same. Do um, you have any leans for the? Oh, I would have loved Higgins. Um, Smith. Uh, I don't have a lean Smith. at all here. I don't have a. You could go Andrews. I mean, you could go an elite QB if if you want. I would be down with Andre. Andrews. I think Andrews is a good pick here. Um, all right, so let's go Andrews I, first. Open to Metcalf, open to, like, I've reached all the way down to Debo on some of these. I mean, we can go Lamar, but I feel like that's pretty, uh, like, almost commonly. I'd be fine unique. with Brees Hall, dude. You know what? Let's go Brees Hall. All right. There you go. Let's go Brees Hall. Now, um, dude, did you hear his place on the pup? <laughs> and we got two 13 week bye guys. Come on, man. <laughs> we already blew it. The bye already pros are already coming for us. Um, but I was going to say the one last thing on the AJ Brown point, I would say AJ Brown's the one I'm more comfortable drafting as well. Cause I agree with you. Like I, I've been saying like the six just sucks, man. Like, like you said, like there's nothing, there's nothing I want to press the button on once Tyreek through Jefferson and then McCaffrey yeah. off the board. 
Uh, so I'm fine, AJ Brown structurally, but it, it's more so that like two, three turn Devonta where I guess you get squeezed out of wide receiver, but I also don't see like Devonta's like median projection as that much different than like Calvin Ridley and Debo. You know, it, it gets tough I, yeah, for me. I feel you. Yeah. I think like I feel like I'm making a little bit of a sacrifice with AJ Brown who I like, but I still feel like, like I said, is probably more of a one-two turn type of value. Yeah. Um, I just think he's like the best of the bunch. And I, I think I've heard a lot of people basically say they don't think he's the best of the bunch, which is I totally get. The issue with me with Smith is that I think he's more of probably an early third value. Um, I think Higgins is probably like an early third value as well. And they're more late second two three turn uh and i i really do feel like they're getting put where they are because people just need the wide receiver and once olava like olava used to go in like early third back in the big board you can get him a third all the time um that those days are over and i I think he is deserving of where he's going i think he has kind of that mid-second upside to his his profile um Certainly, it's not a perfect situation for him, but like he showed a ton, second-year player, underrated prospect. I was guilty of underrating him for sure. Me too. Uh, and could emerge as the clear number one. And I like guys who are the the clear number one of the teams plus a deep threat like that. That's to me, that's single week upside. You know. Yeah. Um, but after him, I think there's a big tier break, and. I think you could you could make the case that Olave marks the t- a tear break that doesn't really end until like Brandon Ayuk or something. Yeah, I, I agree, and I've been coming around on Olave too. Like at first, I think I think I was kind of letting because you said you weren't that high on him coming out. Like I wasn't high on him coming out um, just because I, it was kind of the the senior declare thing. Like he, you know, he yeah, wasn't an too. early declare. He was never really all like he, you know, he was like never the number one in that offense. Like to me. To me, coming out, he just didn't have, like, a great ceiling. I remember, like, his comps were kind of Mm -hmm. like a Tyler Lockett-ish, right? Like, a downfield, like, possession guy. But if you're going to be a downfield to this point where you're, you know, top 10 in yards per out run, top 10 in dot, and then also have, like, a 26% target per out run, then you kind of, uh, you know, smash that ceiling that I I think I had Emmanuel uh, Sanders for him as a potential. Yeah. Yeah. He's, like, kind of, you know, like, those guys that, like, never have, like, a smashing, like, 20-plus point per game type, like, wide receiver season. But I think he kind of sheds those comps um after his year one and I, i'd rather i'd rather him let me down than uh kind of whiff on him um but we do have a super yeah, chat here uh another super chat i appreciate you said loving the stream guys appreciate all your work what are your thoughts on Bijan this year now Bijan, if the legendary running back this year isn't Brees hall i've been loving Bijan. um just because kind of what we talked about earlier with like we haven't had a legendary running back in a while like, I, I kind of like betting against the current landscape and just saying, you know what, what about the fresh legs? Like, we've seen Saquon have, like, 24 points mm-hmm. per game. We've seen uh, Zeke come, like, just shy of 22. Um, so why not Bijan in, like, a crazy good, like, run scheme with, like, a good offensive line receiving upsides there? Um, he's probably, like, maybe my most drafted first-round pick right now, Bijan. I'm overweight Bijan, too. Uh, I have him on 10% of my underdog drafts. Um, so I, I'm into him. I'm not, like – here? Oh, yeah, oh, McLaurin, I like a lot. Yeah, like I love McLaurin, McLaurin here too. Uh, after that, I'm a little bit lost though. I mean, we could just take a quarterback. We could go Kirk or Deontay. Uh, I don't see how we stack. Uh, 
Fields or Burrow very easily. I think maybe Kirk. I don't like Kirk. If you had any Me other either. like wide receiver random, like I would be down for a wide receiver reach if you wanted to do that. Let's uh, just let's Kirk just go Kirk. Kirk. I don't okay. like Kirk. I'm not drafting a lot of Kirk. I saw. Um, I'm gonna add like I'm gonna have Jacob on after this for another draft. I'm. He's, he posted like uh, his exposure to like 75 WrestleMania drafts. I think Christian Kirk's like his fourth most drafted wide receiver. Um, okay. It was absolutely shocking to me because um, I'm I'm with you. Like to be honest, that might be like the third time I pressed the button on Christian Kirk this this offseason. <laughs> like um, <laughs> I I haven't been taking a ton of them. Um, I had I w- he was maybe my most owned wide receiver his last year. Yeah, I have four dollars in entry fees on Christian Kirk right now. <laughs> um, so that's uh, that's like that's hard because uh, what was that? There's like that been one. What was that four dollar tournament? I even forget what it's called. I don't even know. I uh, it might have been the. It was the oh, Chihuahua. The that's what it was. Chihuahua. That's what it was. Yeah, the Chihuahua. I have one Christian Kirk in the Chihuahua. I think I've maybe <laughs> taken him in a slow that like has to uh, catch up. But that's where I'm at on Kirk. I'm slightly below the field on Kirk. I just am in this spot a lot because I I do sometimes I often take at least one running back uh, on the two three turn, and sometimes I'll take two or I'll do this. I'll take two non wide receivers, Andrews, Brees, that type of thing. And then I'm just like, dude, I got to take two wide receivers at four or five. I really don't have a choice um, unless I do like a DJ Moore Fields thing or you know I have Chase and I got, I'm going to grab Burrow and I'm going to push it. I have to take at least one. Like if you, I'm going to take two wide receivers through the first five rounds. Uh, and sometimes that Kirk's like the only guy left kind of like what happened to us. Like, yeah, you know, so I end up taking him, but you know, if honestly, if Tyler Lockett was just like, this was his ADP, I would take, I would take Tyler Lockett instead. Like I don't really have a really strong case for Kirk. It's just, I'm kind of letting the market, um, choose him for me there. Honestly, I kind of like the locket call too. Like the the issue for me, like once you get past Kirk, like all of these guys, like I like, I mean, like me and you, we're we're nerds. Like we like Deontay Johnson and Marquise Brown, but like they're <laughs> all on terrible offenses. Like these guys, like yeah. you know what I mean. Like I like at least Jacksonville, they're going to score points. But like Pittsburgh, I, I mean maybe Pittsburgh, maybe terrible is a little bit, um, you know, over exaggerating. Uninspiring. Like, I'm not I'm not excited to, to get any of these guys in the fifth round. Um, I kind of agree. Like, I, I, I could make the case for Lockett over Kirk, and we could have maybe reached on him. Um, I take JSN sometimes as a as a big reach too. Um, I, I, I like pair, the Seattle offense. Do you ever pair JSN with Lockett? Because I'll find myself yeah. at a turn. I don't know if it's this turn right here. I think it is this turn where I'll, I'll like come around here and I'll get JSN and Lockett and mix that in. I think it's viable because you could have like Lockett early season and JSN like late season kind of you know boost the geno it's i think it's a probably a good way probably a good way to get like leverage on early dk teams i think that's one of the um one of the things i'm seeing in a lot of like uh my comments and live chats is that like metcalf shouldn't go this far ahead um of the i team. agree with that i do not have much metcalf davis matta keeps telling me i'm gonna lose all my money because i won't take uh, <laughs> dk metcalf I, I i rarely take him i'm at one one percent so far uh it's not so much. I think Metcalf's like so overvalued, but I don't. I don't love like I like Debo more than him. Um, I will take him over Debo just because I have so little. But like I don't. This price doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I think he's probably around too expensive. Um, and then you can sit back and get JSN and Lockett sometimes together. You used to be able to do stuff where you'd grab like Deontay and then JSN or Lockett. I mean Deontay's risen so much you could do it the reverse for a while. 
you grab the Seahawk guy first and then grab Deontay in the sixth. Um, so I have a lot of stuff like that. You can also, you can grab Fryermuth late. So you can build that Seattle uh, stack pretty easily. Warren too. Warren. Yeah. I, I have like plenty Fant. Of, I was mixing know. Fant with uh, Gino at the back end. Yep. Yeah. I'm at 11 and a half percent Gino. So it has not stopped me from getting exposure to Seattle. Now do I, I definitely wish that I had more, more Mecca because I mean, if Seattle's awesome, Metcalf's going to have a good year. Yeah. But it just feels it just feels really expensive compared to his teammates. This is just a hunch, but or all right. So hold on. All right. So you have any leans here? We have like Evans, Dotson. If you want to go like full on Washington, got Pickens. I'm into Evans and Dotson. I think those are both pretty nice here. All right. Let's go Evans, Dotson. Um, Josh, Josh Norris absolutely eviscerated me for Mike Evans is probably I'll check right now. I've been I've been trying to uh, ease off Evans uh, in a lot of these slow drafts. Evans right now is probably like uh, if I look through. Yeah, he's my third most drafted wide receiver right now. Mike Evans. Um, I've been making a point to get more of him. Really? Uh, Yeah, I, I was taking a lot of Burks. And so now, you know, yeah, I wish I took more Evans instead of Burks, who's going to be more like at the seven, eight turn. Or late seven, um, which I don't mind. Burks once his price settles out, I think I just don't want to take him wherever his ADP is right now. Um, I've been passing I, now. I'm going to let the market figure out where it wants to take him, and then I'll be back in. Yeah, I agree because I, I think I, I think Hopkins probably uh, isn't great for his medium, but I'm not sure. Like I, I, I think like kind of Devonta Smith last year is kind of like what his ceiling would be like. You know, where <laughs> like next to a, a target hog and is efficient and kind of you know, maybe scrape his way to a wide, maybe not, you know, I know Devonta Smith flirted with top 12, but that was because the offense was so good. Um, but, you know, like wide receiver two, we'll see. It's a, uh, an upside pick for sure. Um, like, I, I'm not sure, like I, I made this point on Twitter. Um, I'm not sure like his projections all that different from Pickens where Pickens is going to end up as a, a oh, higher ADP than his, but like, they're both like, I'm not excited about a Matt Canada offense. Like you also have a Deontay Johnson, who's, you know, as big as a target hog, as a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. So it's tough. I'm not drafting a lot of pickings. Yeah, I, I think I'm not drafting a ton of pickings either. I have forced myself to take him over Burks a little bit just because yeah. I, like I, said, I have a ton of Burks. Um, I think Burks is a pretty interesting second year breakout guy. I think um, I, I just think he's underrated a little bit in terms of what his sort of talent upside could be. Like he was a first round pick, very productive. Essentially learning a new position last year, if you read Matt Harmon's reception perception. I mean, he was a little bit lukewarm on how he was doing last year, but yeah. was was very clear that Burks was, in fact, like a traditional X-wide receiver last year, not gadgety at all. Um, and if you look at like ESPN's open score, he was pretty good in that metric, kind of rate uh, very similar to like Drake London in, in that metric. So um, it... it Pickens did not perform well, and Pickens <laughs> is right next to Mike Williams uh, in ESPN's Open Score, which uses the, the player tracking data um, to see how, you know how how open these guys are, and and it's not just on targeted routes; they they're able to look at when the ball was thrown, kind of where all the receivers are. So, I, to see Pickens next to Mike Williams makes a lot of like intuitive sense to me. Yeah, that's kind of who he is, right? He's like he he's going to make a he's going to do this a lot. You know, mm-hmm. he's going to do this. He's going to fall center. down. Yeah, but it's not going to lead to a ton of yak. You know, that's just not really his profile. And how, I mean, if he was with Josh Allen, like, I would feel differently. If he was with yeah. Justin Herbert, I'd feel very differently. Like, he's with Kenny Pickett, you know. 
I just don't know that he's going to be the, the archetype. Just doesn't match up, you know. Like Pickett, yeah. like Pickett's not going to be like he could he could get open, you know, 25, 30 yards downfield. <clears throat> Pickett might not be able to get there. Like two no. gloves, two gloves at like a forty degree Pittsburgh game. It's not getting there. Um, uh, yeah. I'll also say too. Uh, I like your point on uh, what Harmon said, uh, where he was playing his unnatural position last year. I kind of like the idea of Hopkins being like more of this true X, and then you can kind of move Burks around the formation as like a a Z sort of like flanker. Maybe put him in the slot a little bit. Like I think it frees up uh, Burks to sort of go back to uh, what he's more comfortable with. I'm curious how they handle that because I could see it being. Burks just holds down the X and they move they move Hopkins around. And yeah. Hopkins, I think, is not who he used to be. I don't think Hopkins is that downfield threat anymore. I think he's more of an intermediate. I think this is the Larry Fitzgerald in the slot era of his career at this point. Um, his ADOT has, has declined. In two of the last three years, it's been pretty low. Um, and the one year where it wasn't low was the 2021 season where we were like, uh-oh, what's going on with Hopkins? Um you know, then he gets suspended the you know for part of the following year, but but last year he he was pretty good, but it was on that lower A dot, and I I just don't know if he's going to be challenging defenses deep. Where I think Burks probably can if he yeah um, takes a bit of a step forward, and all the reports out of training camp have been very positive on Burks. Uh, one thing I would say too is that Pickens has to deal with Fryermuth, you know. He's got to deal with, with an offense that's going to be a little bit more spread out. They're probably like Allen Robinson is their slot receiver, and Allen Robinson's not someone I want to be drafting, but I think is probably mm-hmm. going to get his targets to some extent. Like it's just not going to be a super condensed target tree in Pittsburgh, I think, where the Titans target tree could be very, very condensed, especially because Chigakonkwa might be more of a part time guy um, yeah. like he was last year. Do you have any leans here? Like I'm looking, <laughs> there's nothing that looks that pretty. <laughs> Um, nothing looks pretty now. Uh, we probably we should go a couple. I, I would probably go running back, running back here. Um, do you want to go there... like, do you want to go one of the cooks? We could go Gibson, Dylan. Uh, Dylan gives us Vikings, uh, bring back options. Uh, I'd be down for Dylan for sure. Let's go what, Dylan. What are we looking at stack wise, we've got we got uh, Jefferson, we got Washington, we got Jacksonville. Right. Uh, Tampa. We got we got some ugly offenses. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, we sure do. Uh, um, I'm not. I'd go James Allen. Cook. Yeah, I'm. I'm we cool could, with James Cook. We could do like a Mac Jones um, backdoor thing later, which would he'd be a Cook would be a part of that. Yeah, that's perfect. So we got like Green Bay as kind of like a little bring back with our with our Jefferson. We have we have Sam Howell down the line. I know how much you love Sam Howell. I th- I think you said recently that you're coming around on Sam Howell, right? I'm more coming <laughs> around on Dynasty. Oh, okay. Di- in Dynasty, I'm definitely coming around. I mean, I don't know that I was ever out on Howell and Dynasty. People probably thought I was. Uh, <laughs> but like to me, it's all a payoff thing. Like, yeah, Sam Howell in best ball, it's like you're kind of taking on. I think underrated risk. Like people don't realize how much risk they're taking on. Like you're when you draft a quarterback, you you only draft two to three quarterbacks. And if you're drafting three quarterbacks, uh, the way you should be doing that is that you don't have an elite quarterback. You need you need those. So in in some ways, right? If you draft Patrick Mahomes and Sam Howell, like I'm I'm probably more okay with that generally because like mm-hmm. if Sam Howell doesn't play half the season, you'll probably be fine. You have Patrick yeah. Mahomes. You know, like when Liam Murphy won Best Ball Mania two, like 
he had Josh Allen and Justin Fields, and Fields really didn't do anything for him. I think he might literally not have hit his lineup. So if you yeah. hit on the elite quarterback, then maybe you aren't taking that much risk if you take a howl, you know, and you're just hoping he spikes a couple of times for you. But in those three quarterback builds, like I think you kind of really don't you don't want one of your quarterbacks to become a zero for you know half the season. And how has that? It's not just that he could get benched for the end of the season, which I think is possible, but like, I mean, they're a very strong candidate for the wheels to fall off and him to be benched for a long time, and that really hurts in best ball. And for what? Like, what's yeah. the upside? Like, in this case, we've been boxed out. We'll probably draft Howell. But I don't like to plan for it. I don't like to plan for it because I'm like, what's really the payoff? Um, but in Dynasty, like, I, I don't have that question. If yeah. Howell is really good, <clears throat> the payoff is huge. So I'm willing to take on the risk um, just because my payoff is so much higher. I actually find it interesting. You said that you prefer him in... Um, so... Uh, of course, you've done some shows with Jacob Sanderson uh, and like Davis Maddock. So I, I, I remember him writing a, on his Substack that uh, Desmond Ritter and Sam Howell are two of his like 10 players to form championships around. And he said, in terms of Howell and Ritter, he said, drafting one of these two pivots is nearly mandatory in all of my three quarterback builds and which one I choose is based off of whose stacking partner I've drafted. So he actually prefers... He prefers it in three quarterback builds. I can't say. I, I wish I could skim the rest and kind of figure out um, why that's the case, but I just find it interesting um, that he well, prefers he in three QB builds. I think how, like, I get it in some ways. You know, like, I take, I'll take Kyler Murray sometimes is like an upside generator for those builds. Howell, I think, fits that. It's like I, a lot of the guys available late, are the kind of the Kenny Pickett or the Jordan Love types. But Love maybe could rush a little, but generally I think it's going to be a run-first offense. It's like hard to see how much upside you're getting out of a lot of these later-round guys. And Howell has upside. Like Howell can score points even if he's not that good, you know. Like Howell has a good arm. He's going to run some. He has some rushing upside, yeah. He does. It's that he throws interceptions and gets sacked a ton. He yeah. gets sacked a lot. And I that's... Getting sacked a lot with a coach like on the probably the hottest seat in the league yeah. seems like a bad combo. Hyping hot me. seat. Hyping hot seat seems bad. But yeah, with a high paid talented backup. Sorry, what'd you say? I said, uh, I said, Biennemi is literally going to have like an underground. Like, he's just going to, like, Rivera's just going to come to the office one day and it's just going to be Biennemi in his seat and they're just going to tell him to go home. Yeah, no, seriously, like it's a it's a Rivera's key card is no longer working type situation. Yeah, yeah, um, and then yeah, maybe Beanie prefers Howell, but like yeah. I just the NFL is like chaotic enough. <laughs> like I don't want <laughs> I don't want Howell to be a huge part of my portfolio. Uh, I have taken him some. I'm at three percent uh, overall, kind of by luck. So I've, you've, I ended you've up taken him some. Yeah, ever taken so him sparingly. Some. Yeah. Um, um you have I'm any six, leans 6% here? in Best Ball Mania. Um Cousins is is yeah, nice. Cousins I mean, stands out. What a gift. I don't really see anything else that's all that uh I mean we got Njoku way past ADP, but we do already have an elite tight end. Um he's a bring back on the um Brees on Hall Brees. thing. Yeah. I'm down if you are. Let's let's take the value and uh because we're good at we're pretty good at running back. Yeah, we're kind of, we don't, I mean, it's a very balanced team right now, I'd say. Yeah. 
Yeah, we got Njoku that. I actually like that. It sets up a little little Cleveland bring back. Set us up for like I'm trying to even I was gonna I was about to say like Donovan Peoples Jones, but I don't know about all that, man. <laughs> well we could do <laughs> Rogers and and do like a yeah, perfect. Uh, perfect. Hardman or something. Rest in peace, Denzel Mims. Yeah. He's been he, he's been trying to get out of New York for forever. Um I'm 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 happy for him. I did you, know. you I'm curious what did you think of Mims coming out cuz I I kind of liked him before before I was like before I like had a prospect model or I really kind of like looked into things like uh early declaring stuff um he kind of he kind of got all of us on like uh like a one-off sophomore year a decent senior year remember like uh Debo comps just in terms of like dominating the senior bowl and then like I was psyched as a Jets fan because, and on top of that, like Joe Douglas kept on trading back. Like you traded back like twice and then took Mims, and I thought like every time I was like, dude, like just sit on the clock and take Mims here, bud. Um, and it's just I didn't so love him. Nothing. I was I was more like, to me, there was the three guys: Pittman, Claypool, and Mims. Where I was like, I don't love these profiles, um, but like at least Mims is athletic, and at least Claypool is huge and athletic. So I yeah. generally was I was like generally taking Claypool the most because he was the cheapest. Um, but yeah, I wasn't that into Mims because he was. I think he was an early declare, but not because he was a redshirt junior. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, so I think that was so. And he wasn't wasn't from like a huge program, so I actually was a little bit nervous about him. I thought he was kind of mostly kind of an athleticism play. Yeah. Uh, so uh, unfortunately, I, I was way, I was too low on Pittman, but um, yeah, the guy that almost really burned me that year was T. Higgins, who I I thought was real boom bust. And his college profile is crazy because of Clemson blowouts. Like I think Jack Miller exactly. has this tweet where it's like T. Higgins wasn't playing in the second half, so all of his market share stats and everything, anything you run through a model with T. Higgins is going to come out a little bit wonky. Um, his yards per route run was awesome, profile. though. Yeah. Because yeah, when he was out there running routes, he was he was awesome as you would expect. Uh, but yeah, that the yards per hour run I think saved me a bit there because I was like, he, he strikes me as boom bust. Like if you put me under truth serum, I would I would have told you I think he's going to be more of a bust than a boom. But then I just made myself take him some because I because I yeah. was like I legit think there is a ceiling here. So I, that's one thing I think I've gotten better at in Dynasty is like my lean like my lean with Quentin Johnson is that he will be a bust, but I also think he has a super high ceiling, so I'm just like, then then take him anyway, at least some. Don't be out on this guy. Yeah, I, I have a I have 46 percent Quentin Johnston in the big board. Um, All right, and he's my most drafted wide receiver right now. Where where were you getting him there? I can't remember where he was going. Honestly, not a crazy discount. I would say maybe like around cheaper, like at best. He's still good. Um, it was just it's just one of those things where um it's kind of it, like it's it's kind of peanut brain uh, of me but he does just feel like uh he was built for best ball like he he yeah. could just have you know like four catches for 100 yards and two touchdowns you know what I mean like he can touch the ball four times even if even if his even if his win rate is dead you know like the last like 8 weeks or the last like 6 weeks he could touch the ball four times um get you 100 yards and like two touchdowns um and just in that offense like it's i, I mean bef- like i was drafting him before i knew he was on the chargers so i really lucked out there but um but there was a period where he looked like he was gonna be the first wide receiver off the board yeah and was getting drafted like way after jsn um do we have any ideas here 
Uh, I don't think none of these QBs really make sense for us. What What uh, other running backs are available? Could go Kendra Miller. We got Roshan, uh, Singletary. We got. I would like, do Roshan. Yeah, I like Roshan too. Uh, we'll go Roshan. Can't take a wide receiver, but they all they're all bad. They're man. Not good. We could take uh, our our sweet prince. <laughs> oh, no. Jay. Um. So we got Thielen. No. Like Miller, Thielen. MVS, I, I don't mind man. MVS, but like we don't really have any correlation there. Um, he was pretty bad last year. Uh, Shark. We could go oh. Miller and be done, and just I know he's. Yeah, falling. I was gonna say Kendra Miller. Yeah, I was gonna say Kendra Miller because we already have uh, Evans, so it gives us like it gives us a little bit there. Oh yeah, I like that. Kendra Miller, Evans. Maybe those are the two guys you need. Who knows? Um, yeah, and then we could go like one more running back at most. Yeah, we probably could do one more later. Do you have anybody like 18th round that you've been liking recently? Because I keep on, I keep on coming up empty there. I I, I do like Keontae Ingram because I remember I feel like you would either I can't remember who you would talk to. Um, I think it would be on like ship chasing or something. But uh, like last year you would talk about how you just like sort of um, like have a different flavor every like couple weeks. You know what yeah. I mean? Of a guy you keep. I was saying, right? Yeah, I think uh, that was with Davis last year on his pod. Um, I was. That's like I kind of would make myself like. Because my thing is, you can't. It's hard to. If once you fall in love with a player, like in the 18th round, um, you feel like you have a secret. You know, it's like I've got this guy. No one else is taking this guy. I'm gonna smash. <laughs> I, I figured out the 18th round. So it's hard to be like, no, stop taking that guy. You were wrong. Like just emotionally, it's so difficult. But you can convince yourself that you have a new secret. That you have a new player <laughs> who's gonna smash. And so I would try to find someone else that I could get excited about in that range and then take an irresponsible amount of them and then, but then move on yeah, and, and do that. Um, as long as you can kind of keep finding someone that you're excited about, this isn't maybe the most exciting guy. I've taken a ton of Fournette in the yeah. last round. Love um, Fournette. And with the idea that like I'm around 20% on Fournette right now. And my sincere hope is that he signs somewhere rises to like the 14th round and i never have to take him again like yeah. you know just this could be my whole my whole portfolio portion of fournette could be drafted in you know the pre-august period and then you know sign with the patriots lenny jump to the 13th round and, I, and, I, and then i'm good but uh the other dude that i'm taking a lot of to the point that he's i believe my highest drafted tight end yeah my highest drafted tight end now um my sixth highest drafted player now is Michael Mayer. I just, really? Yeah, I'm actually structuring teams differently sometimes because I'm just like, in, in the sense that if I have a choice of like a 12th round tight end, I'm just like, ah, I'll, I'll sit back and take Mayer in the 18th round. He's almost always in the 18th round. And if he gets sniped, you can always take a Hunter Henry or many other solid tight end picks there. But he was a really productive uh, college player at Notre Dame. Uh, he was an early second round pick. I think people don't like that he's like a traditional tight end. I like that a lot. He, you know why I like he's a traditional tight end? Because he's a tight end. So he needs to. <laughs> he needs to. How do How do you get on the field as a tight end? By playing tight end, right? Yeah. Like, he, yeah, he's more of kind of like a Jason Witten type of archetype, more of like a Greg Olson type of dude. Like, he's not the most exciting, but he's going to. I think pretty quickly earn the tight end snaps. And that's how that's the easiest way for a tight end to get like a 
50% plus route rate as a rookie is to play the position they were drafted to play. You know, I get nervous actually when I hear like Dalton Kincaid's going to play slot receiver. Like, really? Like, all the yeah. time over Khalil Shakir, all the time over Deontay Hardy, <laughs> all the time. Like, no, like that. I hear part time player when I hear that. So, play, oh, yeah, this, this running back's going to play wide receiver for us. Right. Yeah. On like 10% of the snaps. That's cool. But like, what else is he doing? What else? What's the rest of his job look like? All right. So we're back on the clock here. Nothing is all that sexy that I'm looking at here. Um, Couple of things falling back. I feel like we haven't enjoyed a turn yeah, since the first one. <laughs> we've been getting hammered on the turns. We're like kind of weak at wide receiver right now, but there's I I actually kind of like uh I, I, think I don't want to name names just yet, but we have I, we got I some yeah, we got ideas here. Um Yeah. So it seems well what's quarterback look like? Because we just have cousins, uh, right? Yeah. yeah, I think we have a. I think we have a move. Yeah, I think. I think well, we're on a similar it's not my favorite wavelength. move, but it's certainly it's certainly doable. Yeah, I think we're on a similar path here. I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna man up and probably take Ezekiel Elliott at this first <laughs> this first one here. Um, just let's see what Graham Cracker does here. Please don't snipe us on Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, don't snipe Zeke, please. That'd I asked Sean Siegel if he wanted to take Zeke. Um, on our <laughs> mega stream and i legit he he, he went <clears throat> no <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> so jordan um, love and Jaden jordan reed. love and Jaden reed yeah yeah 100 little bring back on minnesota um like i think you i think some people would argue that you know like two guys in the same week 17 stack at quarterback like isn't great but i mean like when they're this cheap i don't think it's really a big deal it's not great because you've you've boxed yourself out of another opportunity to um, to stack a game. Yeah. But, ha- but have we really, if we're taking a third quarterback, you know, and we already do, like we have a bet on the commanders in place. Like there is additional correlation beyond the love uh, Kirk Cousins bet. So like, yeah, I think it's, it's much worse when you don't have any other week 17 bets other than just this one big game stack. That feels like you probably, you probably overstacked that game, which can be okay. But then what else are you betting on to happen? Well, we're betting on the commanders to have a very productive passing game that week at least. So, and we, we may, that may be other the passes. Right. Not yeah. Jacoby Brissett. Well, Jacoby Brissett, man. At, as of right now, we don't care. As of right now, either is fine. The thing about Jacoby Brissett is, it, does does Rod Rivera save his job for another year on the back of Jacoby Brissett? Can I get it done? No, it is futile. He's going to get fired no matter what. Yeah, uh, I, like, it's it, like it is funny that Sam Howell is almost his last hope. Like if Sam Howell is this, you know, diamond in the rough, like fifth rounder, then he probably gets you know another like three years or whatever. But I mean, it's it's all it's all looking pretty thin for Riverboat Ron, I'd say. Yeah, some people have been pointing out, like, in this, like, with this Titans stuff, you know, like, oh, of course, like, the Titans weren't going to tank, you know, like, the idea that, like, Mike Grable would tank. Like, and these NFL franchises never really want to tank, tank. Um, but that's my, th- I'm like, that's my thing with the commanders. Like, you're going to have to, <laughs> they're not good. NFL teams, like, they don't look to the future very easily, you know? They yeah. look to, like, the now. And, it's going to come down to whether or not Sam Howell is executing the offense. If he's executing the offense, he'll be fine. 
If he's not executing the offense, then I think he's in trouble. But um, I'm going to be very curious to see um, how the rushing actually translates over like a, a decent sample. Just because we've seen, uh, you know, you've seen your Manzels and Bakers and I don't know. He's like white quarterbacks that ran in college and then come to the NFL and they're just severely outmatched athletically, you know? Yeah. Um, so he we'll he reminds me of Baker. Yes. Yeah. And, and Baker had his moments. So I don't mean that in a negative way, even though Baker has been, <laughs> been terrible the last couple of years. But uh, early. Yeah, I think Baker's first kind three of years on the Browns. Baker was pretty good. good. People forget. People forget if, if Baker came into the NFL first overall, like in 2022 and then had his rookie year. Like in terms of startup drafts right now with like the current ecosystem, like he'd probably be like a, a back end first in a startup draft right now. Oh, like, I had a startup he... draft after that year. We reset really? a dynasty league. Yeah. And it was we we converted it to Superflex. And Baker Mayfield, I want to say, was on the one two turn or yeah. in the early second. Cause we got uh um, I get it. Cohen. Yeah. I, I call him with my brother. We got Deshaun Watson a few picks after Baker. He was wow. highly valued. Because, uh, like, he – I don't think he set the record, but he got close in terms of passing touchdowns for a rookie. Like, uh, he had, like, 28 or something crazy. Um, looked good. I think – I hate to say it, I think he, I think his first game he came on Thursday Night Football versus my Jets and beat us. Um, but I don't know. There's, there's some there's – some, uh, there's some merit to the idea that, like, he had a shoulder injury and maybe he's, like, recovered from it. But at the same time, maybe the shoulder just never gets back to where it was. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So, all right. We are on the clock here. We have Kenny Pickett way past his ADP, but we don't have any Steelers. We don't have anything. Um, is wide, wide receivers not unchecked? Just to be clear. Yeah, wide receiver is not unchecked. Uh, we could go like we could try and make like a Stroud Woods thing happen here if you want. Um, I'm I okay think, like, taking Howell. I mean, we're not. There's no reason. Oh, yeah, to make Howell. Howell. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take Howell. I've and talked then, a lot of shit on him, but you know, should we take? We could take Ty Chandler. We could take Fournette. We could take a wide receiver here. Could How take, many wide receivers do we have? We got six right now. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice to. I just don't see. I mean, I guess we could take Wandale and it'd go for the late season upside of him. But I'd also take. Um, I would take Fournette. Let's take Fournette, and our last pick will be a wide receiver. That works. Um, in terms of who that wide receiver will be. Minnesota, None of these guys Green really Bay. have a feeling. Nothing. No. Literally nothing. Uh, Diami Brown? <laughs> no. <laughs> he might be the guy. Oh, hey, have, the college though. connection. That is true. I actually didn't even think about that. Should bring over That'd be so uh, funny. Daz Newsome. I like Diami Brown coming out. I liked him a lot too. I would say I would say I have quite a few dying Diami uh, Brown shares on a lot of teams right now. Um, but I thought Nico Collins was dead, so we'll uh, we'll really see. <laughs> where are you at on a guy like Collins? Are you are you selling like because he we're kind of getting to the point where like Collins did it. He finally like he's he's fully broken out. He's the number one wide receiver, but he never actually has been. So you're kind of he strikes me as someone you could maybe like cash in on. I think you're right. I think I think you could cash in on him, but it's to the it's to a spot where like. You probably can't get a second. Like maybe you could do, maybe you could do Nico in a third for a second. Like it's so it, it's he's such, such a small asset. Like I'd almost, to be honest with you, where I have Nico Collins, I'm honestly holding on to him. Um, okay. And I'm and it's not even like 
uh like I'm into Nico Collins, but I get what you're saying. Like at this point, like he was he was cuttable last year um on dynasty rosters just after like doing nothing and you know nobody was really excited to have him. But he is somebody that I'm hesitant to uh, move on from. Now, if like there's somebody in my league who's a Nico Collins stan, and you know, I have patron leagues out there. So if any of you guys are watching and you would like to pay a, a second for a Nico Collins share, send an offer. Um Ask Jacob if he'd, that. if he'd send a second because he he loves him in, <laughs> in best ball. He he says he should be like an eighth round pick in best ball. Yeah, I, I I'm not uh, quite as high. I like Nico Collins. Um, I like him. I can't quite get eighth round uh, Nico Collins. Yeah, I mean he's I, I'm I'm at fifteen percent Nico Collins, so I think a good bit of him. Um, just in terms of I mean like downfield X wide receiver, I kind I didn't mind him coming out either. Um. But it's also at the same time, like the ceiling in that offense, it gets a little bit dodgy. I don't like, I, yeah. I question kind of like where Nico Collins can end up, but I guess like, I'm trying to think through. Like, I guess, by this case scenario, he can kind of be like a Michael Pittman, uh, you know, something in that area in terms of like a, a fringe top 24 guy in Dynasty. So. I can get there. I, I know he like kind of improved all of his route run stuff uh, from last year, and there's not a ton of uh, like X wide receiver competition on the Texans, but um, it's not an offense I'm super excited about in general, I guess. No, me neither. Yeah. Fez uh, coming. By hey. the way, <laughs> Jacob in the private chat already uh, calling me out for bashing Sam Howell. I have bashed him quite a bit, and yet I've also drafted him on stream like numerous times now. I really, I, I really do feel nervous about him, but you can box me into him. Yeah, I'll, I'll take him. I'll take him where it makes sense. Like if I take, uh, I don't know, if I take like Derrick Henry early, I'll get him on the back end. I was gonna say uh, a thought that popped in my mind when I was asking you about like the late round running backs is, I, I think it's funny because I think back then it made more sense. Like okay, 18th round, I'm taking like you know my favorite late round running back, but it's almost now like you can kind of almost diversify that last round pick just through week 17 stuff, you know, where it's like, mm -hmm. okay, mm -hmm. I have Vikings green Bay. I'll take, uh, I know you've been, I, I butcher this guy's name every time I bring him up, but like Keenan Wangwu or Kenny and Wangwu. Ken Kenny and Wangwu, I think is right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I screwed up every time, but like, yeah, he's interesting. Like, um, just in terms of like, you know, if you have quarterback stacks, you can kind of just, you know, take that last running back as a, uh, a correlation piece more of than a uh you know taking a stand on a random uh 210 plus pick running back I'm trying to think God, mccall has a bring back on our jets brown stuff if we ever oh, i like that that that, that yeah. works i think yeah Corey davis still around too i like Corey davis um i like josh downs okay just because it's like a rookie wide receiver we know it's gonna be out there um really doesn't have much competition for slot routes i think I didn't think if anything else sticks out, but I think that's that's our, our three. Yeah, I, I like downs as well. Um, I think the Hardman moves my favorite. Yeah, I think so too. Fun fact: Hardman has me blocked on Twitter because I pointed out that the uh, Chiefs uh, messed up by taking him over DK Metcalf. I think he just, like, <laughs> oh, no. I think he just searched his name and, and blocked me. <laughs> I literally, oh, I, I was on, like, Nicole. dude, like you're a jet now, like unblock me, bro. Like, I, I, it wasn't even one of those things where, like, I literally scoff at people who like uh, doesn't score twenty points. We so like gets in somebody's mentions or whatever. Um, but yeah, I'm down for McColl. You're down for McColl here. Yeah, I'm good with that. 
right, you perfect. didn't tag him. You just said Mika yeah, I Hardman. didn't tag him. I just I literally just yeah, said yeah. like the Chiefs would just be like I, I said I, I maybe you know it's Twitter, so I, I think I was like it's like a national travesty that they took uh, McCole Hardman. <laughs> I said they took McCole Hardman and Clyde Edwards-Alaire over DK Metcalf and Jonathan Taylor. Um, but yeah, all right. So let's let's and look. Ch hasn't blocked you, so come on. Exactly. Exactly. Ch Ch is a a bigger man than McCole Hardman could ever dream of. <laughs> Um, yeah, not last offseason, he only weighed 110 pounds, but it's actually that's my uh most drafted running back you're talking about there, CH. Um, yeah, dude, it's bad, man. Like, if I go to uh, yeah, Still? man, yeah, man, I took <laughs> a lot uh... in the big board, yeah. Um, like, I, I have no words to um, to defend this. <laughs> um, he's just he's your highest drafted player, yeah, yeah. Uh, he just somehow keeps ending up on my teams. Uh, like, Ron, I, you're I, supposed to fall in love and then move on the following week. You got to yeah. move on. Oh, I'm, uh, me, and, me and Clyde with Delaire are, are on the fringes right now. This um, is not on the you, fringes. You, you just wait. You just wait this for is all the of love these of your to wrap life. up. Just wait for all of these to wrap up and Clyde will be down. Okay, You'll, you'll right. be down where you've never seen him. Um, <laughs> all right. But all right. So here's our team. Do you have any spot where oh, you kind man. of wish, like, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of love the team, like where we were given the draft. I will say, um, I like, I like where we took Brees Hall. I guess my only thing is, I, I remember uh, listening to ship chasing last night while I was doing some work. Um, you guys were talking through Brees Hall and that he might fall. Yeah. Do you like? I, I guess what's your sort of thought process of, of taking him early um, instead of letting him fall? Like, I guess you kind of get unique there at the turn. Um, I don't think now I could be wrong. I don't think he'll ever fall to the four twelve. And I also think that if Dalvin Cook does not sign there, then I'm gonna feel awesome about him at the three oh one. So certainly if Cook signs, you don't love this selection. But I also think even if Cook does sign, like it really only crushes this team if Brees becomes regularly available at the four five. And then yeah. you could have gone. Although again, the the draft environment is so tough right now at wide receiver. This like, what's the two v two? McLaurin, you know, or the one v one? It's it's essentially McLaurin or Ridley. <laughs> I think yeah. those guys are like somewhat comparable. I agree. Um, so I just the opportunity cost isn't that high, I, unless you know you want to say just draft Josh Jacobs. The winner out of this running back group is going to be Josh Jacobs or Reminder Stevenson. It's not going to be Brees, but um, what I'm I don't know. On, I, I just think it's upside so high. I'm still willing to do it. We sort of took like three dusty QBs here. Like, would you, I know you've been sort of fading the elite quarterback. So would you ever debate just taking like a naked Mahomes or a naked, I guess, whoever, whichever quarterback you like of the bunch um, and kind of filling that stack, I guess, like without the number yeah. one guy. I think if we had had Higgins available too, maybe we would go Higgins Mahomes. Yeah, uh, that would have been kind of fun. I probably need to do more of that. Probably need to go more naked elite quarterback with Mahomes or Allen in particular, and then build it out because they're pretty. I did that last night with the Josh Allen team. I ended up loving the team. I had a ton of correlation. Um, I was able like to knock and Gabe, and it's. Like- I actually went Kincaid, and and I don't draft much Kincaid, but he fell to the one forty range. 142, something like that. Grabbed him there, plus Gabe, plus James Cook. Um, Patriots springbacks are super easy to get. I think I maybe just had Hunter Henry on that one, but 
you know, you can usually get a, a wide receiver if you want to as well. Uh, so that, that that's a bit of a sliding doors moment. That, that would be kind of interesting. But that is the draft. I appreciate you coming on here. Um, if I can yeah, figure out how to get us where I would like like us to be. Perfect. Uh, um, but yeah, I appreciate you coming out here, getting a draft, and I'll make sure I name it um, after Karain just to make sure. Um, you know, if we ship this thing, we're shipping this thing down together, though. Yeah, I, I almost think I, I saw I uh, I was watching uh, this morning. I wouldn't really call it as prep, but just because I was having you on uh, the uh, King Cap Herzig. Uh, that was a fun one. Liam Murphy draft, which was hilarious. But I, I got it's almost like the uh, the Heisman, the Heisman house. Like I got it. I got to get my entry in there, whether that's regular season or, or winning the ship. I got to <laughs> get in there. Um but yeah, I appreciate you coming on. I know you've been working over at uh, Legendary Upside, so if there's anything um, you want to plug or whatever, tell us uh, kind of what we can expect from you uh, this summer in the coming weeks. Yeah, the, the rest of the day I'm going to be writing up uh, the fourth part of a, a series I've been doing on running backs. Um, you can check out the first three parts of that series on legendaryupside.com. Uh, you can uh, – a fair amount, like I'd say about half or more of the article is free and they're kind of bite-sized – uh, profiles on on each player so i would say you know check it out sign up for free over there at the very least um if you want to sign up it's 99 for a year 10 bucks a month um but if you sign up for the yearly package uh you're also eligible to get a 50 dollars underdog credit i have a limited amount of those i don't have a ton left but i do still have some left um information on that at the top of the site under 50 dollars underdog credit uh is the is the, <laughs> the name of the button so you won't miss it um but yeah, legendaryupside.com. I've also got a YouTube channel, got a podcast feed. That's all free. So a uh, ton, ton of good content coming out for you uh, all summer, including ranks for DraftKings and uh, and Underdog. All right, perfect. I uh, appreciate your time. I'll let you get to uh, write in your uh, running back article. I'll be uh, interested to see what's going on over there. Yeah, appreciate it. All Thanks. Right, I'll see you. All right. Now on the other side of the stream, we have... Jacob Sanderson, what's uh, going on, my brother? Uh, I've been sitting in a backseat pilot for a little bit. I, I like actually was dying backstage when you showed your – you willingly, willingly showed your 25% CEH <laughs> to the world. Uh, that was – and, like, the funny thing is right after that, you have literally my two most drafted players in Kyle Pitts and Rashad Bateman. But, um, yeah. and I, look, I'm not going to lie. I'm ahead of market on CEH. It's fine. I can admit yeah. it. 25%. Have some pride, dude. Have some who, pride. who among us? Who among us doesn't have a dusty running nah. back at 25%, man? No, I do um, not. I have not. I have one running back at 25%. His name's Tony Pollard. Look, look, look. I've look, I'm I'm a changed man. Like this was that was a past entanglement, uh, me and Clyde. I promise I promise when these slows are up, he's getting down to like 15% and below. Um that was maybe the most embarrassed that was maybe the most embarrassing moment of my life. Um I put it all out on the line for the people. Um yeah. I am who I am, man. Um but I was gonna you ask are, you, you about... are gonna get you are gonna get uh nice closing line value on him for sure. He's gonna be like with this I think that's what I'm saying news that's not even news that has been known for let me uh, can, can I May. sell you one? Can I sell you on CH real quick, man? Like CH, no, I'm about market on CH. You can you can you could sell me on CEH. The, like, the I, thing I is, get that he's a good pick. I, I just, I'm not going to like sit here and say that he's a good player. He can't play football, but I, I understand the thesis. Dude, but if he's going to be available every time in the 18th round, and I'm like, I'm, I, I, 
it just so happens a lot of the time I like you know 25% of the time I probably have a chief or a bangle. I'm like, oh man, it's the 18th round. Clyde Edwards Delares here, former first round pick. Pacheco might be dust. McKinnon is like 39. Um and Clyde was there was playing with like, I don't know, he had like he lost like 40 pounds last year. I don't know. I'm not all that psyched about him, but they have a good offensive line. It was two years ago. The last year he was last year was supposed <laughs> the healthy redemption tour. No, no, no. This one's um, the healthy I'm fine, I'm fine redemption. CEH, uh, I think like there's pretty much I mean, there's only been three running backs that I will click uncorrelated at the end of drafts, which is Fournette, Patterson, and CEH. Every other running any other time, like so. Probably 40% of my drafts are CEH, Patterson, and Fournette. And the other 60% are whoever's correlated or it's just like uh, my son's a new wide receiver or quarterback or a tight end. But uh, I'm with you on, on CEH being a good pick. Here's the uh, thing, though. I got to put your feet to the fire real quick, good. pal. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> you, you dropped your uh, exposure as well, 75 BBM drafts through. Yeah. What the hell is Christian Kirk doing so high, my brother? He projects um, really nicely. He goes in a range of wide receivers that is, that is like he's just usually the last wide receiver left before what I consider to be a tear break. He's not that high on my overall exposures. I will put, I will find my like. It's been a weird thing where I guess I just keep drafting them in DBM, but if I look at my overall exposures, okay, it's actually still pretty high at sixteen percent. All right, I lied. Because <laughs> I remember reading something. Uh, you had a tweet. That like yeah, I, was, I didn't I think like, I'd yeah. be drafting Christian Kirk. Yeah, you were talking to like like the people who were drafting like <laughs> Kirk and Ridley. <laughs> yeah, I'm me. like, yeah, see what I'm talking about. Then I'm looking through here. I we just drafted Kirk. Uh, me and Crane and I was looking through. I was like, I have I have four dollars of entry fees towards Christian Kirk right now. I have four hundred and sixty. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. Okay, here's the thing. What do you want me to do? Okay, who do you want me to take? You have to no, realize. You have to, you we have found to ourselves in the I, exact am, spot. Okay, but you also have to realize how tilted my exposures are. I have never, ever drafted best ball with so many drafts concentrated at the exact same picks. So I like, I am currently, uh, I want to say 37% of my drafts are pick two or pick three. So everyone on this turn, I'm just yeah. drafting. Like, so like, like cup chase Hill is 46% combined right now. Really? Um, so Christian Kirk, like he's, I'm going to be over like guys like Christian Kirk and DJ Moore, who I'm not like, I wouldn't say that I'm prioritizing. It's just, I'm always picking there. And then like, who else do I pick? I don't like, and I like Kirk more than some guys. Like I like Kirk more than DJ Moore. I like Kirk more than Brandon. Ayuk. I like Kirk more. Really? Than, uh, so it's like, take him over Hopkins. I'll give you, I'll give you that. Yeah, that's right. I like him over Hopkins now. I didn't previously. I actually own a lot of Hopkins. Um, I like Kirk more than Terry McLaurin. Um, I see so the argument I just because the offense is Kirk. good. The offense is going yeah. to be good. But this is the yeah, exact spot you're talking about where, like, we took Kirk here and it didn't feel super, super gross. To me, right. uh, he's the I last wide receiver it. in the tier before Deontay. Okay, because like, it the feels like there's a bit of a break. tier is, is I. IU, but Kirk like kind of counts. Like, well, like whatever. Whoever's the last one there, I guess. But I'm saying like, there's some people. There's yeah, that tier. Like once, like once that tier clears out, where it's like Mike Williams and London and Hopkins and McLaurin and Moore and IU. 
Like that to me is a teardrop before you get into the Deontay Johnson, Chris Godwin, Marquise Brown. Yeah, I agree. Um, but Kirk is very often the last one of that tier left. And, and it's not like he's my least favorite of them. Like I prefer him solidly over Ayuk, over him solidly over Johnson. Like I'll tell you what I'll, I'll look, I'll say this. Okay. I've changed my stance on a few players since going through and doing like all the team level projections. And like, I'll, I'll, I'm just going to do my Leone impression, I guess. I'm like, <laughs> Kirk projects pretty well. <laughs> he just does. He projects well. This, what I don't get about, I tried to get into this actually when I was on Pat's, um, when I was on Kareem Bowl, because we took Christian Kirk, uh, like the team that I did with Davis and Sam and Pat. And, uh, I was like pretty excited to take Christian Kirk, and the other three were like, "Oh, I guess we'll take Christian Kirk." And I was like, "No, we'll take Christian Kirk." <laughs> um, <laughs> and and uh, uh, some of the people that I know like are also fading Ridley, and it's like if you're hmm. fading Ridley and you're fading Christian Kirk. Like I don't know. Yeah, you can't. W Y D. Yeah, <laughs> like you, you got to pick a Jaguar. Like they're gonna. You be can't good. pick Zay Several Jones and Evan Ingram. I don't think. I don't think that's how to uh, to win millions of dollars with this drags offense. I do agree though. Like I, I'll come around on Kirk. I'll probably start taking him more because I, to me, uh, I can't quite get as extreme as you. Where um, I, I, I'll have him as the last wide receiver in this tier. I'll probably still take McLaurin more Ayuk over him. But like once they're gone, like we were here and we were staring on the barrel of like Deontay, a random you know unstacked Fields Burrow. Um, I'll take Kirk there. Who do you think so, is going to have a higher target share this year? Brandon Ayuk or Christian Kirk? Just raw target share? I yeah. think they both are probably low 20s, but I would say probably Kirk. Yeah, I'd both, say probably Kirk. Okay, both low 20s. Which team do you think is going to pass for more yards and more touchdowns? The Brock Party 49ers or the Trevor Lawrence Jaguars? Probably the Jaguars. So it seems similar target I, share. Extra 800 yards of pass volume. I think Ayuk has more upside though. Like I think on the I think on the median, Kirk probably beats him out. But you get a McCaffrey injury or a Kittle injury or a Debo injury or just a crazy just efficiency from Yak that Ayuk can possibly have. Yeah. I get what you're saying. I think, I think Kirk's upside is like a little underrated though. I, I know that I'm I've talked myself into this, so like I would have been pushing back a month ago, but I really talked myself into Kirk where it's just like he's gonna see he's gonna see a consistent target share in a really good offense. And I think that that is upside. Like, like I, he might not, sure, okay, he's not as good of a football player as Terry McLaurin, but he's not like a fragile, like bad football player. Like he's still going to have a good role in this offense. And I think it's, it's, it's not dissimilar to like, like a Tyler Lockett, who I think should be in this tier of like, you're going to see constant targets. You're going to see them in a good offense. You're going to have spike weeks just on like the normal distribution of, um, of your production. So I'm, I don't know. I'm I'm pretty. I'm pro. This is the pro Kirk uh, power of the podcast. I I'll, I'll preach the good word. I guess I've come. I've fully come around. Now, before we get into a draft, I wanted to pick your brain on. Um, I think your writing is great, um, but <laughs> sometimes I read your stuff and I feel like um, you ever seen like Kanye in the Kobe Bryant commercial? Where Kobe Bryant's like, "Are you the same animal but a different beast?" And then Kanye's like, "What the fuck does that mean, Kobe Bryant?" Um, I wish I wish you knew I wish you knew what you were saying, but you, no you compared you compared running backs to balloons, and I like sometimes I'll read yourself. Sure. I'm like, like, what is Jacob trying to tell me here? Um, can you can you kind of give the uh, the too long oh, didn't no. read version of like 
how what do you mean a running back is like a balloon because i'm i'm still i'm trying to wrap my head around it um and okay. i think that's kind of the beauty so, of what you do is these like metaphors but i'm think i'm just sitting here i'm like man like what is jacob trying to tell me oh um with the balloon article so i had this really long form metaphor that i did an article about um and to be clear, if like you wanted to sidestep the metaphor and you just want to read about how I think Leonard Fournette will impact Ramondre Stevenson, you can just like scroll down to the end. Um, <laughs> but basically, the the general idea is that okay, so you you of course understand object permanence. Um, you know the, the idea. Is, I start off with this metaphor where it's like there's two there's there's, there's two boxes of two different sizes. Okay. And one box is a plastic cube. And if you try to put the plastic cube into the other box, it's not going to fit because they're different sizes. Uh, or okay. like they're the same total, they're the same total area, but they're different dimensions. Um, if that box is filled with liquid and you pour it into the other box, then it just fills it up and it fills it up in a completely different um, shape, but it, it fills it up nonetheless. And, um, it, or sorry, the other one box is slightly smaller. And then you, if it's filled with a gas and you, pour the gas into the box, then it expands and it grows to fill up the space entirely. And my argument is, is the way that we project quarterback, receiver, and running back seems to follow these three different substances. Quarterbacks are more or less like solids. You either start or you don't. And quarterbacks either project somewhere between 15 to 25 points in a game or they project for zero points in a game. They either fit or they don't. The wide receiver is a little bit more like the liquid, right? They own their target share. But we also understand that in, in the context of a given offense, right, like we just talked about with Christian Kirk or Sabrina Ayuk, there's some room for variance in terms of how they actually project over the course of the season. Does the team pass more? Is there better or worse target competition? These things can kind of stretch the outer limits of that typical wide receiver earned target share to what they actually project for in the course of the season. But in large part, they own what they what they are, what area they occupy, just the shape changes a little bit. And running backs, we kind of project like gases, right? It's like, oh, there's 400 touches available. This running back can see all the touches because Chase Edmonds is the backup. So just give them all the touches. And, oh, if someone else is coming in, they're going to come and steal their touches. We, we kind of react like they can expand and contract to whatever available space is there, whatever space goes in. My take is running backs are, are kind of like that in a week. Right. In, in a, in a week long setting, Joe Mixon goes down. Travion Williams could come in and take all the carries that Joe Mixon could get. But over the course of a season, that's not really how they actually respond. Right. My take is running backs are, are like balloons. It's a fragile workload, but it is self contained to the player. And you can stretch it only so far until it pops. And before it pops, it starts losing its color a little bit. You know, you start blowing on the balloon, all of a sudden it's not quite as bright. And then all of a sudden you keep blowing on it, all of a sudden it pops. And my take is essentially it's just an, a metaphor to say why you have to really look at each running back situation in context. Why I don't think that this idea of stealing touches actually works the way that people think it does. Like I currently have, I'll go ahead and do it with the Patriots, but. I currently have, you know, 70 targets or so and about 130 carries to non-Ramondre backs. Is Pierre Strong currently stealing his touches? I don't think so. I think it's just that Ramondre only projects for so many touches. And there's going to be so many running back touches that I'm projecting in New England because their receivers suck and Mac Jones is a pocket passer and all these other factors that you're going to have this larger spillover effect. And Leonard Fournette kind of first comes in and takes that before immediately just soaking up what's there for 
Ramondre. Anyway, I do have a ton of examples in the piece. I talk about my some of the thoughts on the Jacksonville backfield, the Seattle backfield, the New England backfield. So if you don't care about the metaphor, I have some real life <laughs> NFL takes in there. But I rooted it in this sort of longer form uh, theory of, of basically just outlining my constant irritation of how people talk about running back touches about how people talk about them being stolen about how people react in this uniform way. Every time that there's a free agent that is visiting with the team, when I don't think that that's um, always an indictment of the incumbent. Um, and anyway, so you can, you can go check that out. I'm thinking about thinking if, uh, if you're interested in either the running back analysis or the, or the very long form metaphors. I just put it in the chat for anybody that wants to check it out, but uh, I believe that one was free. I was reading through it last night, and I was just like, well, it's a "Free post. so everybody can watch. Everybody can read that one. Yeah, <laughs> everybody can um, figure out how how Ramondre Stevenson is a balloon without any of this being some kind of like fat joke that Ramondre and Lenny Fournette are a little bit um, oversized it's here. Not but a fat joke. they also have, <laughs> by the way, I'm thinking about thinking. I think it was at one a.m. last night or something like that. I did publish my full thirty-two team level projections out for the people so really those are now there those, those are paid but uh yes they are uh those are now all i'm thinking about thinking as well and i oh, and i wrote a lot about why um why i hate projectors despite so having done despite having done all 32 teams yes um i was gonna ask uh can i get a sneak peek on your i mean yeah, um, i have your projections but um what do you got Pollard for in terms of uh, attempts and targets? Because I'm very curious about that. Uh, let me just pull it up one second here. I'd like to compare them to what Mike Clay has, Max. I think Mike Clay um, is one of the best in terms of projecting, but I think he's way underweight well, on his target upside. Well, so what you got to think with Clay, first, there's a couple things with Clay. Um, first of all, I don't think the Clay, like, Oh man, I got to be careful because I'm. I always come at Clay, but I don't. I don't know if I want to do it on a YouTube channel with 25k subscribers. Okay, <laughs> I think methodologically, Mike Clay is a lot more like player profile agnostic than I think is good to be when we're doing projections. Like I think he just roots a lot of it in historical usage and then just kind of goes from there. Like I don't know how far he digs into, you know mix blending in the prospect profile, blending in per route stats and on scaling up roles. Like I think it's a little bit limited. He also projects injuries and I don't, which is just always going to leave me being way hotter than clay on every member of a starting offense. Um, my take on projecting injuries is that doing it will reduce the error bars on your projections. I don't. So like it might make your projections more accurate. I don't think it makes them more helpful. Like I just think generally, if I'm reading a projection, what do I want to know? I want to know how many players, how many points is, gonna, is this player going to score if he stays healthy? I don't really want to know how much he's going to score if he plays 15.2 games. So um, anyway, all that being said, I have Pollard, 246 rush attempts, 68 targets, 52 catches. And that's crazy because I, I, he's almost like it's crazy. He's almost giving him the role that like you've sort of told like Twitter trolls like he's probably not going to have because he has him at 14 games, but he has him at 243 carries. Uh, 51 targets. That's like, what, three less carries than you have him for in three less games? He only has 14 um, games? That's probably yeah, not that far off. Well, in terms well of he has every uh, he has every running back uh, at like 14 as like a base. So that's like 17.4 carries per game, which I think that's a little bit high, to be honest. And so then 3. It's actually, 6 so targets. he actually has a more bullish Pollard projection than I do. The targets isn't that far off. He has basically 3.64 targets per game, and I have four exactly 
Hmm. So it's it's it, we're point three targets per game off. That's not actually that far. He has way more carries per game. It's just um, Paul is his RB eight. Yeah, that's interesting because I I guess have a less bullish projection, but I think I have Pollard higher in terms probably of more TDs. He has him he has him ten total TDs in fourteen games. Oh yeah, I have fourteen and a half. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I agree. Um, I agree that uh, Clay stuff is a little bit. Um, Limited, but I do like it as kind of just like an unbiased, kind of like very macro um, yeah. look at things, uh, just to kind of get a feel for kind of just like, like, like almost like, wait, I just like unplugged my HDMI, but almost like a boomer median is kind of what I treat it as. I do treat it as a boomer median. That's a great way. To, that's a great way to say it. Like it's a nice, I, I check on it too. Like sometimes if I see a certain player and I'm like, am I way off on this guy? Um, I, I will refer to the boomer median. Um, I'm just quickly <laughs> checking through because I haven't actually, I have all the, the team sheets up, but I haven't actually sorted them yet. So, um, mostly because I don't actually care about like projection based like rankings in the traditional sense. I'm trying to see yeah. where I actually have Pollard quote unquote ranked. Um, and I, I think that I have him at, uh, man, um, I think I have RB four. Okay. I think that that, yeah, I have McCaffrey, Eckler, um, and Barkley project ahead of him, but he projects fourth after that. But like it's again, like I don't really care about the projection based ranking. Like if I pull up, like so I have Pollard projected at 17.68 points per game. Um, I have Donovan Taylor at 17.43 points per game. I have Bijan Robinson at 17.05. I like I have basically every running back from other than CMC and Eckler, every other running back that's in the first three and a half or first two and a half rounds. Like I have somewhere between like the low 16s to the mid 17s. So it's like, I don't know that the projection should be deciding your, your decision on those. Like they all, I think project similarly at base. It's what's the upside. What's the fragility. Do they stay healthy? I agree. Um, I'm going to get us in a BBM draft here. Um, I do want to still pick your brain on the projections, but I don't want to um, take up too much of yours and the viewers' time. I would say. Um, so let's hop into a draft. I'm sure, real we can quick. talk a little bit about it through, and we can uh, we can hit on some guys after. Oh wow, to. we have a completely open lobby for anybody out there that wants to hop oh, in and snipe me and Jacob. Golden opportunity for, for the YouTube <laughs> audience. For anybody out um, there, by the way, promo code Ron. Um, make sure you use promo code Ron if you're new to Underdog Fantasy. I should have a link, I think, pinned in the live chat. It'll take you straight to Underdog Fantasy. It'll use my promo code. It'll match your deposit up to $100. It's a beautiful thing. Um, but you were saying, Jacob? Well, I was just wondering if you're excited to draft in the 103. <laughs> that's, that's what we're about to get again, I think. <laughs> I would love that. I am I, I decided to put my nuts on the table and go in a slow Mastiff, and I got the 12-spot sandwiched between Karan. Like, it is, like, the most that's suboptimal so way. It's the most suboptimal way to burn $1,000. Like, I'll... Uh, nice. if I can find it, I'd like to honestly just you show you. Best ball people are wild. I can't do that. I'm like, I'm not going to say that I won't play fantasy football for a lot of money, but if I'm doing it, I'm fucking starting and sitting my lineup. Like, it's actually it's a pretty up. crazy room. Like, this is Peter Jennings, I believe. I think Brink is yeah. the guy. I think that he's on lulls with Pete. I could be wrong. Um, yeah, I, I think so. I might be wrong. I might be Brick. Uh, and then you have Karain here, and then I get the 12 spot, of course. Um, yeah, I'm not crazy about it. I mean, four straight wide receivers, Dobbins. I know you like him. You got Kittle, but don't feel great about it. Four any straight of wide receivers. Uh, wow, Christian Watson over Jameer Gibbs. What are you on ship chasing? 
uh, dude, I'm I'm between I'm between Daily Rojo. I need to get my wide receivers in. Is what so the commenters they they had a very um bearded Jameer Gibbs Christian Watson debate last night. I, I, I saw uh I, I saw I was uh I was listening to it, so I didn't get to Team Gretch. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see the chat, but I did see uh Gretchen Crane kind of uh go at it a little bit. But it's it's nice that they're like you know good enough friends that they can disagree. Um, and it's like you know it's fine. But it did it, it was um. It was a it, it was a little bit heated. Um, yeah, I was almost hoping to come on before Kareem bounced because I was uh, uh, well, I was going to pile on, but I was curious that I was I, I, there was like some I was watching because I was I was on a different show kind of running at the same time, and then I kind of caught in halfway through, uh, and then um, but yeah, I was curious to hear Kareem's take on a couple of things because some of the stuff that because I remember like Greg was giving his pitch, he was like, "Here's how many." targets have uh gives projected for and i was like shouting i was like actually you're too low ben you're too low (laughs) (laughs) i was curious what did you think of um i have gives uh, projected for the most targets of any running back by the way really i don't think that that's all that crazy but um he came out like i know it sounds kind of nuts but big time dearth of target competition there so like the Lions was one where I, I kind of had to. But sir, have you have you adjusted after the Denzel Mims trade? Have you adjusted? <laughs> I have not. <laughs> I think you have to maybe lower it by maybe I don't know maybe a full twenty targets in there. Um, but yeah, I get I get what you're saying. You're saying um, how many targets you got him at right now on like a seventeen game oh. pace? My my guess, uh, eighty five. Oh, I have my low 98. I'm cool with that. It's probably too that high. I understand why it's too high, but like all of his comps, basically, except for CJ Spiller, a lot higher than that. Like yeah. Randy Bush was crested 120 targets as a rookie, Christian McCaffrey 101, Alvin Kamara was, uh, I forgot offhand, but it was over, I think it was like 110 or something like that. Um, you look at you look at his receiving profile in college. Plus the draft capital investment. To me, he's going to play. You also look at DeAndre Swift's targets per route run, and then you start projecting out Gibbs' routes. You look at the target competition on the depth chart. Like I think he's he's pretty clearly their second receiving option on the team. Um, I, I had to manually lower him. Like I originally, I was I think this is like a 19, 20% target share player. I wound up lowering it to 17.5%. Um, I think it, that's probably I, fair. I think that it's 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 aggressive for sure. So certainly, I think there's more downside to that than upside. But I, I don't think it would be surprising. Oh, DJ Brown what a here, what's brutal up? spot. Um, yeah, it's it's yes. it's rough. I mean, the nine spot. This is just what it's been for me on the back half. Not all of us can. Uh... I don't, yeah, but I don't I don't draft here, so I don't know what this is like. This is <laughs> Do you want to take Brown or uh, Bijan? Up to you. Brown probably. I'm fine with either way. I guess I'll just do AJ Brown. God, this is. At least he's a good That's player. Shit. Yeah. But yeah, I I don't like it. Uh, I don't like it either, man. The uh, I haven't had as much luck as you, dude. Like I'm I'm routinely picking in the back half, and it all, oh. it all is not fun. Um, I was gonna ask yeah. is, with uh with your projections and like uh, a rookie like Gibbs, are you, I like I'm always curious, like how how are you almost like, are you adding in any element of like uh, him being better down the stretch? Uh, yeah okay. not really in the projection like i think for most rookies i do kind of like when i'm thinking about how i get to the end result i'm kind of like okay you know average of 
like I'll, I'll think about it. Okay. It's going to end the year at 80% route. It's probably going to start at like 40 and then I'll kind of like be like, all right, I'm going to base this off like 55% route or something like that. Um, yeah. With Gibbs, I mean, to me, like 12th overall pick, I think he's going to, I think his role is going to be pretty aggressive in week one. Okay. I mean, and I don't think at any point in time is he going to like usurp Montgomery. I think it's just, oh, we're, we're, taking yeah, we're on the Devontae clock. Adams, right. Yeah. Devontae Adams for sure. Um, I can't stop taking second round Devontae Adams. Uh, I think nice. I would, if his ADP was 10, I would take him probably 10, 11. Um, take him, so probably take him, uh, project well for you. I have to imagine. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't yeah, see his pretty, production much different from any, any wide receiver pretty, not named these top four. His, well, I think it's, I think he's in a tier of his own at five. And obviously the market doesn't, but I, yeah. I think he is, I think he's, Clearly behind the first four, um, but I well, actually, I guess I have him and Diggs pretty similar. But I, I think him and Diggs project pretty clearly better than Brown, Wilson, Lamb, St. Brown. Personally, I, I'm I get the age fragility argument. So if you want to put him in in that tier, but if his ADP if his ADP was was eight, I would take him at eight. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Like I would. After AJ Brown's gone, like for me, I think it would just be Devonte. Like I, like I even like Devonte. Like in, in my rankings, just for ADP sake, I've, like I've put CD Lamb over Devonte at this point, just because it's kind of where things have I, to be. Same as me as well. Yeah. But in a vacuum, if their ADP was equal, I'd probably take Devonte over Lamb. Like I, I guess it's close. Yeah. I take um, Amon Ra sometimes if I do CD or if I do Amon Ra Pollard at that turn, like just for the game stacks. But in a vacuum, I like pretty clearly like Devontae more, especially in half PPR. Yeah. I mean, like, are you are you worried at all about Jimmy Garoppolo? Like, I know people are like, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, I, I think uh get that. I think I think uh it was I was watching the uh or I was listening today, just preparing or not really preparing, I don't want to call it that, but just having Karina, I was listening to some of the uh the seven hour stream or whatever. Um, and after the, uh, Liam Murphy, uh, King cap one, which I thought was great. I listened to like the beginning of the, uh, the Bime four one and Bime four was cold, was, uh, pouring some cold water on Devante pretty much saying like well, Bime four hates every player over 27. <laughs> yeah, that is very <laughs> true. Um, but yeah, he was saying something on the lines of like, he, he went there to play with his buddy, Aaron Rodgers, and Rodgers left. And now it's just like this weird situation. I think I think Siegel was also uh, in that stream saying that. Um, and of course, we love Siegel, but uh, I think he was sort another of another up. another person who famously thought a fan of the old. So. Yeah, but he was pumping up to Kobe Myers. He's like Kobe Myers might have more uh, more targets than uh, oh, okay. people are expecting. What this is like the Jacob Rick Road Hunter Renfro is going to target <laughs> Devontae Adams last year. Okay, look, there's oh, a that lot was a of great very, one. There's a lot of very smart people that I respect who were out on Devontae Adams last year. And they were wrong. And all I ask is them to sit out the Devontae Adams discourse this year. I just think yeah. take a lap, have a seat in the penalty box, and and let the let the Devontae truthers cook. He's the he's the best wide receiver in the NFL. I don't care. Yeah. He's he's better than he's better than all these bitches. Um he I mean, you hear him talk about his career, like he cares a lot about his legacy. Like Devontae Adams wants to make the Hall of Fame. He wants to go down as one of the best. You gotta demand the trade history. then, man. I think he can be angry about Jimmy all he wants, but I think he gets on the field. He's going to try. We tried to do all this. Right, we're back on the clock here. Oh, um, um uh, got nothing great. We got Jacobs, Metcalf, Brees, Lamar. Jimmy Doublestack. We got a lot of great. Uh, either of those top two running backs, I'm pumped about. 
All right, let's go. Let's go, Jacobs then, because I mean, I just took. Wait, Brees wait, wait. Are we Durant. double stocking? Are we double stocking? Uh, do you not want to do that? Because I could take Brees. Let's do Brees. Let's do Brees. Brees, Brees, Brees. All right, there we go, dude. I'm a smooth operator. Yeah. Dude. People don't know that about me. Uh, <laughs> that was some fingers. Uh, what I'll say, um, I don't know. I had a point, but I, I, the thing that I was actually going to say is, uh, uh, I like lobbed up a question to you as we're on the clock, like the second time in a row there, but. Um, what the heck were we talking about? Oh yeah, Devonte Adams. Yeah, so you'd be you'd be less likely to to take Jacobs if you already have Adams. Um, well, a little. I mean, I don't know. Just as like a tiny little tiebreaker, I guess. Just because I don't know. Because I'm saying, me personally, well, like my. Do you want to bet multiple bets on the Raiders' offense? Like not not dying rounds? to. Uh, but I've been doing the thing where, uh, <laughs> like, Karain has sort of gotten me into it, where you just, like, star both sides of the Week 17 matchup. And my, you know, my peanut brain, I'll, I'll, I'll come around to the late third, and I'll be like, Jacobs has a star next to his name, and Brees doesn't. So I'll just take Jacobs. Um, and just, like, because I guess if you, like, do you think, do you think, do you think Devontae Adams can smash without Jacobs also not paying off ADP? I guess you, I guess a Jacobs injury uh, without an injury. Season long for sure. In a week, probably not. Um, I guess the big okay. Uh, let's let's make this pick, and then I yeah, want yeah. to talk through what I couldn't get through in the twenty seconds that we actually had to make the pick because uh, it wasn't really. Sadly, no Gibbs available to us. That would have been. Oh, probably, that sucks. My is. Where did Gibbs go? No. Somebody take Gibbs like way. Oh my goodness! Someone took yeah, three hundred two yeah. Gibbs here. Someone knows ball. Yeah, respect, um, man. He probably did Gibbs Pollard. Um, Judy here? Judy, Etienne. I'm fine with Judy or Etienne um, or Mike Williams. Let's go Judy. Let's go Judy. Yeah. I, ha- I, I don't have enough Judy, I don't that. think. I was going to ask as well. Um, I was surprised to see, I think I think I saw you were talking with Sherman about it, that you prefer uh, Gibbs to Etienne, even like a half PPR yes. format. Um, yes. To me, it's really close. Uh, I guess what's... Are, are you just like are, are you kind of like getting to a spot where you're like almost out on etn at this point or nope not out on etn at all um just really in on Gibbs. really what's the uh or i mean i guess we've kind of already gone over uh your uh affinity for yeah Gibbs. i mean it's i think on much... Gibbs is i think he's i mean I, i've been in on like I, i've been in love with Gibbs for for well over a year like even yeah. getting back to like i'm gosh i think this was like September of last year, I did like a here's what I think the top five or top 10 running backs in Dynasty are going to be in a year from now. And I think I had Gibbs at RB3 or something. And, and he, like the Zach Evans bros were up in my mentions. Um, <laughs> and so I, I've what just been time. all in on, um, I've been all in on Gibbs as a truly transcendent receiving prospect. Like, not, I think a lot of times people, it's like good receiving running back, bad receiving running back. I think Gibbs is, is truly in like a, McCaffrey Camara level comp sphere of receiving upside running backs. Um, and talking about a guy four, three, six, like I think he's going to score from distance. Um, so it's very much just that I'm all in on Gibbs. Uh, I was originally pre projections. I was like, okay, I'm going to be way overweight Gibbs and dynasty. I'm going to be way overweight Gibbs in all of my full PPR seasonal stuff, FFPC DraftKings best ball. I'll probably just be with the field on underdog. And then I did my projections and they came out so bullish on Gibbs that I was like, okay, I'm just going to be way overweight Gibbs every format. So um, I'm, I, I'm, it's, I want to be a little bit over the market on ETN, but 
I'm now in the spot where like I used to be like, I just kind of want my discount on both of these guys. Like I'll take them when they fall to the mid to late fourth. Now it's like, I have no problem clicking Gibbs at ADP or even ahead of ADP if I have to, but um, ETN, I, I do kind of want my discount on because he has a pretty wide variance in when he's drafted. Like I, I draft, I get ETN at the five, two, five, three every now and again. So it's a little tough for me to then click him at the four, three, when it's not like I want to be 20% exposed to him. Yeah, I agree. I, I, to be honest, um, until you've kind of uh, made your case here, I've, that's pretty much where I've been on Gibbs. Like I, I've been all over him in Dynasty. I got ripped to shreds in the YouTube comments when I released like a Dynasty rankings video before the draft and I had Gibbs at like RB4, like ahead of like ETN and Kenneth Walker and people were really not happy about that. Um, oh, nice. I'm with you. Uh, people forget. I, I've had Gibbs at the 102 in my pre-draft rankings um, prior to the draft. So I love that. Um, that was wow! I haven't had enough coffee. I just said my pre-draft rankings prior to the draft. That's a good turn of <laughs> phrase. Really useful. All right, so we're about to be on the clock. Pick fifty-seven. Um, um, I guess. What are your thoughts? Oh man, go... I almost wish we took Bijan now that I'm staring at Justin Fields here. Ah. Uh, oh yeah. Um. Let's Fields, see. Fields, Iuk are kind of the two that I like. Um, but I'm open to whatever. Okay, so if we're going, if we go Fields. Then it's Pitts and Sixth, pits, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. If it's Ayuk, then Fields goes. okay. So, so probably Ayuk. Just yeah, probably Ayuk. I think so. Yeah. And if he makes it back, we can like talk about Kittle, I guess. If we talk uh... about Kittle, so what are our other? Okay, so this is part of the reason why I did the why I wanted to advocate for the hall. It's not as much about like being out on the Raiders double stack. And it's a little bit more about wanting to have multiple options of games that I'm interested in stacking. Like I knew to AJ Brown that we're probably not getting first. And obviously you can never depend on having a team build that makes sense to have Tyler. And then it's like, you know, so, okay, you take Adams. We already have open to doing a Richardson. Um, Hall leaves us open to Rogers and Watson. Whereas, like, if we had taken Jacobs, we kind of only have, like, one quarterback that is, is of interest to us through three rounds in Richardson. I just think that's too limiting. That was kind of why I was pushing for Hall there. Um, had we taken, like, let's say that our first round pick was CeeDee Lamb, not A.J. Brown. I probably would have been more on board with doing um, Jacobs because then we still have that Dak off. Uh, currently, I think we could be looking at, I guess, Kittle would make some sense for the double stack there. Um, uh, I think Pittman makes sense for Devontae, but I feel like yeah. Kittle's probably the play. Um, I'm fine with, with I'm fine with Pittman or with Kittle. Um, we might get Waller back to us, um, so I, I don't really mind either way. I'll leave it in your hands. <sighs> Let's go Kittle. Okay, I do like me some Kittle. I, I don't draft enough of Kittle. I don't think I, I feel like I feel like Kittle has a a case to be drafted just based on his weekly upside. But it does it does feel like it does feel like this Niners offense is getting a little bit thin. Um just in terms of where you're drafting all the pieces. Just to keep it straight in my brain, can you go ahead and star um Dotson and Quentin Johnson? Yeah. Okay. There you go. Most... Those are probably the those are probably the only round seven picks that um are doing business for us, right? I think. Yeah. Uh okay. Oh, and Elijah Moore, I guess. Yeah. Okay. 
All right. How do we do? We, we like Elijah more this year, right? Oh, absolutely. We like Elijah more this year. I like Dude, I think I think Elijah Moore, and like this is me. I always run into this issue. Like I was talking with Pat, with like, I I oh like because I'll be honest with you, man. Like I I always like if I if I know an analyst out there is a fan of a team, I'm like, uh, like what do you what do you really know? You know, like I and I love I love JJ, but like, you know, he says something about the Steelers. I'm like, ah, maybe he just likes the Steelers. You know, who knows? Um, so I'm always a little bit uh a little bit uh kind of over the top with that. But where was I going with this? Um. I can't remember where I was going. I thought I thought I had a jet that I was going to talk about, but there's no jet. Elijah Moore. You're talking about oh, Elijah, Elijah Moore. Moore. Elijah Moore. That's what it is. But former I loved jet. him so much on the former jet. I loved him so much on the Jets. Um, and he was such a baller as a rookie. He was a great prospect. Um, and I'm I'm falling for these hype videos, man. David and Joku. Fun fact: David and Joku went to high school like 15 minutes away from me, um, or like wow. 20 minutes away. Um, and Jeez. his little brother. He actually has he actually has two brothers. He has evidence in Joku and Charles and Joku. Um, and Charles and Joku was in the same one was named Evidence. One of them is literally named Evidence and Joku. Um, that's so sick. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that they might be Nigerian, so they like, uh, I guess, like, I don't know how they end up with David, Charles, and Evidence. Um, but uh, uh, Charles and Joku uh, was like a stud wide receiver in high school, and he uh, like, I my buddy played corner against him in like the state uh, playoffs, and we got dusted by their team just because they're. Um, they have NFL talent on their squad, but, um, so I follow Njoku on Twitter is what I'm, or Instagram is what I'm trying to say. And he came out and Joku's drip is insane, by the way. Like he's out here in like this, like, oh, uh, like yeah. almost like, almost like a, a track jack, like a nineties, like starter jacket. And he's out here, like catching passes from the shod, like it, uh, uh, like a chain popped out and everything, but no, it was like a, it was like a hype is... video of, uh, Njoku. It was Elijah Moore, Deshaun Watson. They were all getting working. And I was like, man, like nice. I'm sold. I'm sold. Elijah Moore is locked in. Chief is one of the most drippy players in the NFL, oh, yeah. for sure. I I I love David Njoku so much. He's just he's the, the man. Oh he my god! Went... Oh, actually, all oh, of our. Wow. I can't believe that Elijah Moore is already gone. I I mean, I thought it was pretty possible we wouldn't get QJ or Dawson, but Elijah Moore, early seven. So here's the I tough question, man. If, if Pitts is if Pitts is staring us in the yes. face here, yes. yeah, like it has to happen. Um, it makes me feel terrible about not going Pittman with that last pick. Um, That's fine. George Kittle loves for Pittman. It's fine. All right, we're we're taking Pitts, I think, man. Let's just do it. And that's just what Let's has to it. happen here. Um, now, now I really wish we'd taken Justin Fields. Um, yeah, second I, I, the second the New Jersey the fun alternate fact. universe where we go Fields Pittman with that last. Yeah, one. I, guess, I guess we didn't actually have a chance to take. Pitts yeah, it would have been beautiful though. Fields, Pittman yeah. to Pitts. Um, last note on New Jersey lore. Um, I believe David Njoku and Greg also went to the same high school. Tight end, tight end. They're they're calling New Jersey tight end state. So just something to wow. uh, something to think about. Um, Greg Olson, I believe, like maybe the highest recruited tight end coming out of high school, like ever. Um, don't quote wow. me on that. Um, but I like two four seven all time rankings. Baller. <laughs> um. Okay, we seriously got to think about yeah. what in the world we're doing with our stats yeah. here because we are in yeah. deep QB is facing gone. problems. Uh, okay, so we can – I guess, yeah. We're, so I'm just trying to think about picking any wide receiver that gives us the stack out. So, like, I guess I'm advocating yeah, for Brandon Cooks. Because um, we have Dak down the line is what you're saying? Like, I just, I just want to have, like, some – 
because we're gonna need with car. Dude, I think we take pickens. I think we need to take pickens this far past ADP. You got Pickett. Okay. What do we think? Like, I think. Yeah. Right, I just think fine. this far past ADP. I think you just kind of have to. Okay. Right, I'm not crazy right. about Pickett. I'll be all honest. Right, all, right, all right. I don't like any quarterback that wears two gloves. I'll be honest. <laughs> all right. Maybe we can do Charbonnet. Um. Yeah, Charbonnet, dude. I've been taking some. I've been taking some Fant late. I don't know how you feel about Noah Fant. Well, we're not on this some... team. Yeah, no, you're very, you're very right. You're very right. <laughs> not on this um, team, we're not taking Noah. Well, yeah, well, I was just, I was just, uh, I was just factoring in. Like Kyle, Kyle Pitts is basically like a flex wide receiver. Like, who knows? Yeah, um, but we're still, we're still capped at, at two ends. Yeah, no, we can't Probably, take another tight ends. This might be three, six, seven, two, which is such a grody bill, but that's kind of no, no, no. Dude, have you ever you ever seen that TJ Hernandez graphic, man? Come on, dude. Is you know the one I'm referencing? Three, six, seven, two. God damn it! No, I thought I thought three, six, seven, two was going to be one of the good ones, but it's one of the uh, one of the mid ones. So hmm. that's where we're at. Three, five. Nope. No, no, no. Yeah, it's interesting. Like TJ Hernandez has a tweet that I uh, have bookmarked that I'll look at where he has like roster construction and their advance rate over expectation. Um, for every best ball mania, uh, and the only four that have, uh, you know, best best ball or over expectation all three years. Can I guess them? You can if you'd like. Try and guess. I'm gonna guess two six eight two. Yep. I'm gonna guess uh, two five eight three. Yep. I'm gonna guess um, two six seven three. Yep, and then you got one more. And two seven seven two. Three five seven three. Oh gross. No, that's the yeah. cock build. <laughs> three five seven three. Yeah. I was shocked how low, but the, what I was um about to say, I was surprised it, it seems like two quarterback is more or three tight end is more viable than three quarterback, which inherently kind of makes sense. I think that's pretty pretty bang on, yeah. But I mean, we do have. I mean, the last what the last few Bessel Mania uh, winners have had uh, three quarterbacks. I think Crane did last year. Well, in fairness, Liam had two quarterbacks because one of them was Zach Wilson. Or no, that was the drafters guy. Um, Liam had uh, had Fields. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Um. All right, so we do have Charbonnet if we want it. Uh, uh, don't say that yet. We got two guys. Yeah. That are about to take him from us. Oh yeah. Okay, survive one bullet. We got Tyler Boyd here if we want him. Yeah, uh, I'm actually dying. To <laughs> we got Alan, Alan Lazard, Lazard here. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I'm dying to take Alan Lazard, dude. We do need a third tight end. <laughs> Injoku, just for the drip, just for the aesthetic of our team, I think, I think Injoku would do us a lot of good here. Um, I think that's probably the play. Let's see though. Ake, oh, he's gonna get autoed somebody. Let me James Cook. There we go. All right. Um, okay. So Charbonnet, I think the only issue is we're pro- okay. Can you click the board really fast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So CD Lamb guy, how many quarterbacks do you have? Uh, he have CD one. Lamb guy has one. Okay, QB. so he might not take Dak. Um, yeah. I think Charbonnet goes for sure. So I think we just have to click him here, and then we just have to hope on Dak. Um, or no, we didn't take Brandon Cook, so we don't have, we don't care about Dak. Never mind. Uh, but we do things. care about um, the other quarterback next to him that I won't name. Um, just because we have that game. Uh, Alan Lazard, of course, who I'm talking about here. Um, so let's look through. 
up and i was talking about a rich i would yeah, have liked a rich uh, to come nice. back uh but yeah. it just wasn't going it just wasn't in the cards for us man it just wasn't yeah um, i think that charbonnet pick was really necessary uh, you think um, so like, yeah, i think so as well i mean we really needed a running back a and we we needed to fill out some sort of game stack we now at least have that i i'm okay i'm fine Probably B-Rob, I think, because we're probably stacking Purdy on this team, too. Mm-hmm. We have, uh... Hmm. We have, like... So, we have San Fran. 249ers, we can Two. get a bring back Washington. And then you're saying, uh... Oh, yeah, you're saying Purdy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I like probably that. taking Pickett, Purdy, and a third, is what I'm thinking. Probably Ritter, right? Yeah. It's probably what we're looking at. Yeah, so let's take B-Rob. Man, all is right in the world with B-Rob going after Antonio Gibson and ADP. Who would have thought, man? I am now into B-Rob. I used to be like a big Gibson guy, and then the market corrected. Um, you know, it's, it's like it's nice for the ego when you're when you write a column. You know, <laughs> um, five uh, players after ADP 100 to build best ball championships around, and then. Uh, Nico Collins and Antonio Gibson rise like 40 picks in ADP. It's like, it's a nice hit to the ego, but really sucks. The person who wanted to have like 40% Antonio Gibson and Nico Collins. Yeah. Yeah. I would have loved uh, if Gibson could have uh, chilled out in the hundreds. Uh, I will say I actually brought up that article to Korean. I probably, I will say that's my bad for sort of having to get out of here before I brought you on. Um, but he uh, he was saying that he would actually prefer Ritter and Howell uh, in two quarterback builds. Like he would rather go like Mahomes, Allen, and then Howell or Ritter late. Whereas like you in the article, you specifically said that you'd prefer them in three quarterback builds. I do, yeah. Um, I mean, I I've been I'm more open minded to it, I guess. If you're doing like a super elite, right? So if it's like yeah. like if it's like Lamar and Ritter, all right. Hurts and Ritter, all right. Um, but if it's like, I don't think I would do like Justin Herbert and Desmond Ritter. Yeah, I think that's probably where it gets uh, gets a little hairy. I think Burrow is where it's close. Like, would you do Fields and Ritter, or probably not because of the uh, the I game probably stack, would. But... I think I would. Um, I, I think the main thing is like the rushing quarterback has such a high weekly floor, right? Like, I think a lot of times people talk about the ceiling of rushing quarterbacks, which is obviously a thing, but. I think the big thing is like you have this weekly floor with these rushing quarterbacks that it, it doesn't really make, you know, your second quarterback super necessary. Whereas like Justin Herbert's probably going to have more like eight point games, I think, than some of the just things kind of break really poorly for him. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's, it's still not my favorite, though. Like, yeah, I, I'd be I wish I had I, I'd be interested in talking that through with, with Karen because I. I'm like very open to having my mind changed on it, but um, I do think with the, when I think of three quarterback build to me, it's like, well, what I'm missing out on in a three quarterback build is I'm missing out on the weekly ceiling of the elite quarterbacks. So it's like, how am I going to, how am I going to find enough ammo? How am I going to find enough juice to match that? It's like, well, I think Ritter and Howell have more juice than like Matt Jones. So I'll take that. But yeah. if I already have the juice from Jalen Hurts, it's like, I don't really need, juice in that last spot like if i'm betting a two three turn pick on jalen hurts i think i'm probably just betting on using jalen hurts for all three playoff weeks so yeah i kind of want to make sure i have a quarterback who will be playing if jalen hurts happens to miss 
two games in the middle of the season so that my team still is live to advance. But that's where I see it, at least. Do we uh, have any leans here? I'd say I kind of like I'm open to Russ. I'm open to Jalen Warren to get our little Pittsburgh Seattle stuff going on. We do have uh, Judy on. We this have time. A... Do you want to go Russ. OK, so I, I'm fine with and I'm fine with either of the two you mentioned. And I'd also throw out Rondale as a bring back on A.J. Brown. Hmm. Let's because uh... I, I don't mind doing Kyler, too, if we were going to do like if we we're going to do Kyler pick at 30. That's kind of interesting to me. Yeah, let's do Rondale and see what gets back to us. I kind of like that. I'm coming around on Rondale, man. Um, is is his ADP higher than Nico Collins right now? I feel like probably not. Not, bro. And Nico Collins' ADP is a lie. Like Nico Collins, I am in these slow drafts. I'm in uh, currently in 100 slow drafts. Um, yeah. Because uh, I maxed the poodle three, and I put 50 into the slow puppy. And Love Nico it. Collins has not yet been available as ADP. Um, hmm. and, and, um, oh, well, I guess, I guess none of the puppy slows have gotten anywhere near Nico Collins yet, but almost all my poodles have, and he's consistently going around like hundred to 105 because you're getting this lag effect, right? Where everyone is willing to take Nico Collins between five and 10 picks ahead of ADP. So that every week his ADP goes up by five picks, but then people are still willing to take him five to 10 picks ahead of ADP. I, I I've just been on this. I've been standing here and I'm, I'm, I'm telling the world that Neil Collins will not stop rising until he passes Portland Sutton and Michael Thomas, and then he will stop rising, but it's happening. Double digit ADP Nico Collins will be the case by September 1st. Uh, so, uh, Russell Wilson here. Um, yeah, hard to argue with, right? Um, yeah, Warren went. Yeah. Don't really have a charger, but, uh, that's fine. We can, we can like Josh Palmer it up or Josh Kelly it up or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, what was I about to say? But, yeah, I agree with the Nico Collins thing. It is funny. Um, All of a sudden, we have a, a bevy of, of stack options. I thought we were going to be worried oh. about what stack options available us, but we have we have several. We now have a Kyler out. We got a Purdy out. We got a Pickett out. Let and me we know if we too uh, star anything. Desperation. Yeah, yeah we got a lot of totally – uh, just... we have a plethora of, uh, of ways to land this plane, I would say. Oh, this plane is fine. We're like we're like Sully Sullenberger right now. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess in a way we are, man. Uh, <laughs> in a way. Um, uh, but what was I about to say? Yeah, Nico Collins. I think you're kind of right that he's probably he's probably going to creep up to that range. Um, Karine was saying that you'll draft him all the way into the eighth round. I will. Um, I, yeah. Uh, Sky Moore, Nico Collins in a vacuum. Nico Collins. But I, I take Sky, too. I mean, it's actually, I've been warming to Rondell more, and the reason why is, like, those are the three guys. About. Those are the only three guys that I like post-wide receiver window as guys where it's, like, I can see, and Alec Pierce, four guys, where I was, like, if these are kind of the ones that I'm, like, not only taking in stacks. Like, I actually kind of want to go out of my way to have these profiles because I, I think they're pretty, well, Sky is in the safe bet for routes, but... I think the other three are a safe bet for routes, but I also can like squint and see some talent outside. Um, and then uh, like Nico and Sky have just been rocketing up boards, and I like them more than Rondale. So now Rondale is kind of the only one who goes where he goes, um, where Sky and Nico have left him behind. So Rondale kind of went from my third option in that range to, to now he's kind of my first option in that range. Kyler does go, so good thing we, we went and took Ross. Um, 
Yeah, here's the tweet. May 5th, 2023. If I had to, I'd take Nico Collins in the eight. And uh, we're getting closer and closer. You're getting, to yeah. The you're, prophecy. Uh, you're getting there. Um, I tweeted out. <laughs> I tweeted out a week ago. I said we're getting closer. I'm. I'm actually quite excited for when Nico Collins hits ADP 95.9, and I can. Uh, I can pull everything. When I tweeted that, ADP was 159. So that's crazy. An all-time closing line value call if he actually does make it into the eight. Do we have any leans here in terms of we have Pierce for Indy Vegas? We have yeah. uh, Roshan for Chicago Atlanta. Like, what are we thinking here? Um. I mean, hard hard for me to turn down Alec Pierce. I think he's such a smash. Um, but I'm also if fine we go with... Pierce, that's probably our last wide receiver. Well, that's the thing. Then we probably want to take Roshan because I think we want Mims. Very true. Because I'm not sure. Yeah, because we can't do two six eight two. It probably right. have to so be let's... a three. What were you saying? Like three six seven two it was kind probably of what we're six seven two. So yeah. so we'll take one of Pierce or Mims. Yeah, or, or DPJ because well. we have Paul, so we have correlation on all the top three wide receivers available. Now, now we're cooking with uh, now we're correlating, I'd say. I do, yeah, yeah dude. Rondell Moore is really interesting, great, great prospect coming out. I think year one, uh, we're a little bit harsh just in terms of the fantasy community, in terms of what he did year one, injured year two, but he was like okay for stretches last year I, I feel like i remember oh my god pierce and fine. are gonna we're go gonna take it's okay we're gonna take dpj we have him with hall here's See, the thing about dpj can man us. they can't defeat us here's the thing about dpj dude <laughs> what the hell is he doing that 20 percent exposure in your bbms dude how did that happen how how are you more comfortable with 20% run, DPJ like... than 25 percent ceh riddle me this DP, dpj is gonna run like 80% of the routes with an 8 out of 15 on a Deshaun Watson offense, and people don't give a shit. He's, like, you want to talk about better in best ball. Like, he's, he's, he's exactly the MVS use case with a better target earning profile. I can squint and see it. I can squint and see it. You don't think... Yeah, I mean, my like, my only, my only counter... Is like Cedric Tillman late season, but I don't think that you probably even see that as no. a threat. Donovan I kind of like Cedric was, Tillman was, coming out. Donovan Peoples Jones was good last year, um, and like I, I get not, I get he wasn't like great for fantasy. Um, you know, he'll never be great for fantasy, but he plays a role, right? Yeah. Cedric Tillman also um, is not a DP. Like DPJ is a field stretching receiver. Um, like he has wheels. Cedric Tillman doesn't. Cedric Tillman is hmm. like a intermediate level receiver. I think Tillman is is the post. I think Tillman is going to be like they have two outside wide receivers who aren't long for this world, right? Browns are a sharp organization. Donovan Peoples Jones is exactly the kind of wide receiver that gets overpaid in free agency because he has he can play outside and he has wheels. Like he's going to probably get like twelve million dollars a year next year, and the Browns aren't going to be the one who pays it. Yeah. So Tillman comes and takes one of those spots and who knows how many years Cooper has left, right? He's he'll, he'll be 30 next year. So I think Tillman is a non-threat this year. I think he's, he's mostly a, um, you know, he'll, he'll take either the X or the Z if Cooper or DPJ gets hurt um, and he'll come in, but people's Jones was, was rock solid. Let me just pull up his, um, his stats here from last year. Cause I think that they go a little underrated. Um, 
I think you're right. I think that he just lacked uh, touchdowns, and it was just a bad pass. He got offense. almost no touchdowns, and it was a little different of a role. Like BPJ, pre in previous years, had had been like clearly the downfield guy. He he was a little bit more of an intermediate guy. If you look at 2021 and 2021, his ADOT was 14.7. 2020, his ADOT was 17.2. It came down to 12.2 last year. So he was mm. still getting some deep play, but Amari Cooper was running a more of a downfield route tree than anything that like Odell Beckham was capable of. Um, he comes in last year, 19% target share, um, 25.5% of the air yards, and he ran 92% of the routes. Like I think, yeah. I think week one, he's running more routes than Elijah Moore. If Elijah Moore turns out to be a superstar, then to me, they either go all in on 11 personnel or maybe they sub out DPJ in two wide receiver sets. But I still think DPJ is a pretty important part of their offense. Um, and even if his target share comes down, like I'll pull up my projection on the Browns, but I have kind of the three non-Cooper players pretty similar as a base. Like I have, I have DPJ 80 targets, 51 catches, 731 yards. Um, 14.5% target share. All right, we uh, got 20 seconds on the clock here. We have uh, Jerome Ford for Cleveland Jets if you want it. We also have Purdy for our probably, San Francisco stuff. Probably got to go Purdy, I think, first, right? Yeah. Because Pickett, yeah. Pickett was gone, so I think... I think you're right. Um, it would have been nice if both of them really were there. Only, yeah, if both of them were there, I would have been fine pushing it. But if we missed out on Purdy, we're... We're kind of screwed. Um, yeah. I don't care about the bye week because we need another quarterback anyway. Um, oh, so who's let's see? Oh, Gainwell and Ford just went. Those were our two correlated running oh, back options. That would have been fun. Uh, um, oh, what are we at right now? Are we at two four two four seven, seven two? two. So yeah. we need a quarterback and two RBs. Um, is Leonard Fournette available? Because I think we should just jam in that before he yeah. becomes a thirteenth round pick. Indeed, he is. Um, and I like what you're thinking. Yeah, you want to go Fournette here? I think Fournette's a great reason to be drafting right now. Yes, sir. I have a I have a decent chunk of uh of Lenny. Find a way to mix them in next to all that Ceh. <clears throat> oh yeah, him and Ceh probably my my most owned like late round running backs. I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, Same here. Well, we'll we got see. we got Trey Lance Truther in the chat. Trey Lance Truther. Oh, awkward moment He's when Trey Lance plays all 17. Playing all 17. <laughs> we'll see. Right, the, the person you're looking for is Sam Darnold. <laughs> but um, I, I'm, cons- I'm considerably more threatened by Sam Darnold than I am by Trey Lance. <laughs> Every time I click property. But I do think you've opened my eyes on DPJ. Because I like my thought process was like they keep drafting. Like we've had now Anthony Schwartz, David Bell, Cedric Tillman. Um, and my thought process was that maybe they're just they're just not happy with what DPJ has been, but I think you're right that it's more of a, of a future play in terms of just like, um, I don't think they, they still don't have Sashi Brown. I can't remember who their GM is at this point, but I know Amber that they're very, who's a very analytically focused GM. Exactly. Like, so he, I he imagine he came in as a VP overseeing their analytical program um, under John Dorsey. And then yeah. when they got rid of Dorsey, they promoted him from within. And then I think the the Vikings GM came from almost like his coaching tree, yes. I believe. Um, yeah, Questy, like Barry was there, and then Questy was under Barry as their kind of analytics guy, and he kind of moves up. And and ba- Barry is 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 I think quite sharp. Um, I think the yeah. Browns are a really sharp team. 
which it's it's interesting because they just keep they keep backfilling these wide receivers. It's funny because like I wonder what their process is at wide receiver because like Schwartz and Cedric Tillman are questionable, but then also like David Bell looks pretty good analytically as a profile or as a prospect. So he's done, dude. Done. No, no, yeah, yeah, of course. But I just mean like I I, <laughs> I, I as a GM, I see why he made the pick, okay. is what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um if you're numbers driven, um, it's just like I mean, he's he's striked out twice now. Probably, I mean, we'll see what happens with Cedric Tillman. I wonder, I wonder what led to Cedric Tillman. Um, probably relative athletic score. I feel like you were saying that he's not a burner, but I think that he probably, I think his R, his R, is probably nine plus, eight point five plus. Um, but it's and interesting because the uh, the Browns are one of those. He's teams definitely that not has, like uh, straight fast though. Yeah, he's I not agree. A straight line guy. So his I, his, his, his Raz is nine point two two, which is quite yeah. impressive. But he's he's a large man, so. That's a lot of what goes into it. His 40 yard dash is a four five five. Yeah. But um, like so I'm, I'm a Vols fan, so I've watched a lot of Tillman. Like the way he that's why I wanted use, to uh, ask you about him. I think people he's a good say that he's almost better than Hyatt. Yeah, he he, he was, was probably close. I mean, so Tillman was with how the offense. Tillman was the guy the offense ran through in 2021, and then he had a high ankle sprain early in 2022. And that's when Hyatt really became the main focal point of the offense. And then Tillman comes back later, but he gets a tightrope surgery. He was pretty clearly not himself. Um, he comes back really fast off the high ankle um, to try and come back in time for the Georgia game. And he was kind of not not quite himself. So then Hyatt is kind of what they're following the offense. Not through. to uh, cut I think you off. it is Desmond Ritter. Yeah. So you were saying uh, you were saying Cedric Tillman came back from injury. He goes back from injury and then Hyatt really outproduced him. But I, you watched Tillman, he was kind of bulky. He didn't look the same. Um, anyway, but the route free that they used is, is different. Like Tillman's primary route trees was like, he's really good on like curls, comebacks, kind of goal line fades, like where he, he's a really strong player. And in terms of short areas, like that's where I think he's best is like kind of out muscling guys and getting into position and he's like a, a really smart player i think but he's not like a downfield guy like i think tillman is probably like a michael gallup type of player mm. um where it's like sometimes you know he can maybe win on some of the like deep digs and some posts and stuff but if you think of gallup like a lot of what he's best at is like managing the sideline and winning on those comebacks and hook routes and stuff like that kind of as that pure outside clashing x wide receiver that's that's more tillman to me it's like kind of an old school outside clashing possession wide receiver like a like a really really poor man's deandre hopkins kind of like route tree 100 uh i i starred kelly and keontae ingram just because i think we have some correlation there you want to uh i'm good with yeah uh i'm good with either of those do you like kelly or spiller more probably kelly but i i sure i'm gonna go keontae ingram here if that's cool that's fine by me I saw I saw you and Bean Counter were talking about him yesterday. Um, yeah, I really liked him as a prospect. Drew I mean, the whole Discord wrong. because you guys agreed on Keontae Ingram in July. <laughs> yeah, I mean Keontae Ingram was a big guy uh, that I was pretty into. He was like one of my big sleeper running backs from last year's class, and obviously it seems mm-hmm. like that hasn't worked out. But he has survived the off season, so we do get a chance at redemption this year. Um, I like him too. I think he caught. He might have caught like twenty passes before Bijan came to Texas, but I could be wrong. Yeah, um, he's like a is Roshan Johnson before it was cool. Uh yeah, pretty much. He he's he's just a guy that is kind of what we want out of a backup running back to me because he's he's got sufficient size, not a great pass catcher, but he's a sufficient pass catcher. Um, 
Christian athleticism. What does his, what does his balloon look, his, look like, do you think? Just to bring this thing full circle here. balloon look like? It's a, yeah, it's a how is his air balloon. occupying it's, that gas? Right. It's a pretty, it's a pretty round balloon. It's, it's, with a, it's a lot of room for expansion, right? He's, yeah. he, he's like what I call a confident plotter, right? You have your dynamic betas. I, I have confident plotters, <laughs> which is like the running backs who I think are really fantasy-friendly backups in that they can get on the field in multiple ways. Like I think he can play on third down for you if you need him to. I think that he can um, play on early downs. So I think you don't have to sub him out at the goal line. And you look at his profile of what he did best in college. You know, I look at a lot of the Noah Hill stuff and look at some of the yeah. similar metrics that he looks at. Like, he was a really reliable runner in college. Like, always had a really high success rate um, compared to other running backs, even on his teams. And he played with some pretty solid running backs. Uh, not an explosive runner, but in terms of what you need out of a backup, it's like you can throw Keontae Ingram onto a football field. I don't think he'll embarrass himself. Um, and I think he can kind of be like a poor man's James Connor, which is probably a decent enough fit for what they require. I feel, like I, him doing well. I feel like I remember him doing well in like a Thursday night game, Keontae Ingram last year. He scored one touchdown and didn't really do much else, but the, it was like the, you know, Benjamin explosion game and Keontae Ingram like yeah. subbed in at the one when, uh, you know, had like a long, long, I think it was like a long screen pass where he like got them down there or something. Um, or maybe it was just a run, but you know, I had like say, a big play, got them inside the 10 and then Keontae punched it in. We got, we got some people showering us with super chats. Um, oh, They'd like us to let's let's talk through their teams yeah. first, I guess. Um, is this are we saucing them or are we complimenting them or both? We could we could sauce them up. We can. I mean, if they have a good team, I mean, I'm not afraid to tell okay. them. Oh my goodness, this is the one who took Gibbs. I'm actually very curious what you think about taking Gibbs here uh, in terms of like, I guess well, getting unique in a BBM. It's like. So I don't really know. Okay, so actually... I have no I have no problem with in, in a vacuum. I have no problem with Gibbs going in a three o two. And I also don't really have a problem with taking him um, way ahead of ADP if it's for a purpose. I still really know what the purpose. I guess he winds up taking Goff, but like, I don't know. To me, I would probably save my early third Gibbs to pair with my late second Pollards, right? Like, if this is something that yeah. I want to do in my portfolio, I'm probably doing it when there's like more of a clear reason to do it. Whereas I don't really know why a Chase Barkley start like necessitates a third round Gibbs. That doesn't I agree. And there's there's probably times as well where he's falling here. Um maybe not super yeah. super often, but I mean like ETN almost got there, you know. If he doesn't take Gibbs there, maybe one of these running backs get there, maybe that's Gibbs. But I'm not sure. Yeah, it's just I don't know. It, it's you I guess if you want to take a three two Jameer Gibbs, you can do it every single time you desire to, right? He's never going ahead of that. So to me, like, it has to be with Pollard. Then I want to, I want to pick the, I want to pick my spots to do that, right? So it's like, like I'll take early two Pollard teams because I, I just think Pollard is undervalued, and I Me want too. to take him on different types of teams, right? I don't want all of my Pollard exposure to all just be with Cooper Cup and Tyree Kill and Jamar Chase. Like, I want to have some Pollard to other players, but. Most of the time, that other player is going to be Amon Ross St. Brown, right? Like, I, I'm, or, you know, or Gibbs, because Gibbs goes on the other turn. You have the top two yeah. lines both go on that other turn. So, to me, getting Pollard exposed with Gibbs and getting Pollard exposed with, with St. Brown make, makes a lot of sense. Um, but I don't know that it makes a ton of sense to be like, I'm going to take Pollard with, I don't know, Gear Wilson. And like, yeah. it's like, okay, you can do it. I agree. Cause, like, even like when you're talking about Pollard here, 
like what like you could take Gibbs here, but like Gibbs might just be here. And then you're just like, you know, mm. then you have a 2v2 of like you can go Gibbs and Debo or you can go Gibbs and, you know, DJ Moore. And you're kind of yeah. like shooting yourself in the foot a little bit, just in terms of like. But I think that that's still fine because yeah. I, I guess it is tough with Gibbs because he has such a wide range, right? Like, yeah. I think the only guys that I really do this with are the early round picks because you, I want those different parents, right? Like, I want. Yeah. Because like, you're never, if you just, if you only ever draft Pollard at, at ADP, then you're never going to get like a Pollard AJ Brown team. Yeah. Right. And it's like, I love what that. If, and it's like, what if AJ Brown and Pollard have 30 in the same week, right? Like in one of the playoff weeks. And you, you probably want to have a Pollard AJ Brown team and nobody else has a Pollard AJ Brown team. I understand they're not correlated, but, you know, that kind of stuff is interesting to me. But there already will be Jameer Gibbs, Jamar Chase teams. It's just, yeah, those Jameer Gibbs, Jamar Chase teams probably have a better third round pick than you have a fourth round pick. So it's, it's a little, Tough for me. This is one of those things. Look at where... the tight ends. I two five. I don't know that this should have been a two five. Like if we're really gonna sauce this up here, like I don't know that this should be a two five nine two. Feels like a lot of wider. It feels like a lot more wide receivers than you needed. Um. Well, you got the Jameson Williams. Like, so we like what? Is, like what are we doing? Like oh, Dell. Okay, doing... Dell okay, like way past. Team. I'm I'm sorry, Chris. I'm really sorry, but this is just uh... Dell Hyatt Tillman Jameson Williams. Okay, he, well, he needed nine wide receivers because only four of them are starting in week one. Yeah, I I would have like this Dell pick didn't need to happen. You could just pick a wide receiver. Should have been here. This, what, I mean, this guy must be the Vols fan. He has Hyatt and Tillman. I'm surprised Hendon Hooker isn't on this team. Yeah, I don't. And he has uh, Camara. He has three Tennessee Volunteers. I can't knock this team anymore. <laughs> I know. Um, I like their uh their or I watch more Tennessee basketball than I do um football, admittedly. Um so shout out uh shout out your boy Grant Williams for you know, I know abandoning you. Um which actually but brings first, us to number twelve. First time in a lot of years that I haven't had the privilege of rooting for Grant Williams. Honestly, <laughs> it's like a become a toxic relationship. I think it's I think it's time for me to move on from Grant Williams. Right, super, right around super... when he said uh right right around when he said I'm gonna make them both. That's when I was like, All right, see ya, bye. I, I love the uh, Batman meme of Grant Williams, though. That, that shit is hilarious. Um, I, I will say this is like niche, but like I, I wouldn't call myself a Kentucky basketball fan, but I watch Kentucky basketball. They're one of the ones that I like. So like SEC and everything. Like I, I remember coming out like there was like, dude, I remember seeing like volunteers fans and like Kentucky fans like in comment sections going to war of uh, like Grant Williams versus PJ Washington in the draft um, and like who would be a better pro or whatever. But it's pretty great. Grant Williams has like debatably been a better pro than PJ. But um, I did want to talk through uh, the 12 spot, too, because we also got another yes, donation here. Shout out Jason Neff, which is what I wanted to ask you. Like, if, if you go Lamb here, because we kind of had the same thing with uh, Devontae and Jacobs in terms of your, your paths to correlation. If you take Lamb here, I assume you're not taking a ton of uh, Pollard. Yeah, I think that the I've seen people do the CD Pollard thing, and I think that it's fine, but it just seems like clearly worse than St. Brown Pollard to me. Yeah. Like, and, and it also seems clearly worse than CD St. Brown. So it's just, I don't know, like, because so many people are going to take CD St. Brown, and then some people are reaching for Pollard St. Brown, it's like, you're probably going to, if, okay, if the Cowboys absolutely smash season long and in the first two weeks to the point where you're advancing a team with CD and Pollard then odds are CD and Pollard both have a pretty high advance rate into the finals, or at least one of them does, right? So you're probably seeing a lot of other CD and Pollard teams. And 
I just think if you have CD and Pollard and you don't have, I guess he couldn't have taken Gibbs. So that's not his fault because he had no idea of knowing that Gibbs. But, um, oh, right. This person didn't take CD Pollard. Okay. If theoretically you're taking CD Pollard and you're not, I think you, you think you really have to take Gibbs the next turn. Because if you're taking CD and Pollard and you don't have Amon Ron Gibbs, to me, like, you just, you're not drawing that at all. But I think you're drawing, like, clearly in a worse position versus other players that have that game. And if you've invested your first two picks in Cowboys and you're in the finals, then they were probably really successful. So you're probably playing a lot of other Cowboys teams in the finals. And, and I guarantee you a lot of them have better game stacks than you do. Yeah. I'd say, like, uh, just in terms of the turn this here. This is like, good, though. CD Paul, CD St. Brown's. Yeah, CD St. Brown is great. My question is, like, how much are you thinking through, like, how common these are? Because I remember, like, even these were, like, kind of rare earlier before uh, Chubb kind of stormed up stormed up here. I remember you kind of talking to like, Wilson Garrett Chubb. Wilson, Nick Chubb. You know, um, I, you know, Ron, I have a lot of, yeah. I have a lot of good, I have a lot of good takes in, in May that just become <laughs> uh, made totally useless by the end of July when people, uh, when people change the ADP environments. So now I got to get back in the lab, I guess. Oh yeah. You got to get, you got to get right back in the lab. Um, like I'm almost thinking, cause I, I keep on just finding myself. Cause like, it's like, Oh, like we're kind of getting unique here at the one, two turn. And then it's like, well, I've done this like six times already of like Jonathan Taylor, Devante at 12, 13, or like CD lamb, I'm on Ross St. Brown or like Chubb Garrett Wilson. I've been messing around with, I don't think that that's yeah. going to be all that rare. Really. Um, here's my new, here's my new thing that I I've decided is my new kick. So I did a show, if people want to listen to it, I think it was actually a really fun show. Um, I did a show with Eric Byam for, and we just kind of were shooting the shit for about an hour and a half, really. Like it wasn't like a very structured show. But uh, one of the things that I've been, we were talking about all these different draft strategies and how we think they pay off. And what we kind of kept coming back to is that we think a lot of them really pay off, especially if you go running backs early by doing double quarterback in the window. So we're kind of talking about that range of like, Tua, Dak, A. Rich, Daniel Jones, Kirk Cousins, Geno Smith, um, that kind of range. And we kind of got on this other thing. I wrote about it a little bit, um, but I didn't do like a full article on it. I'd like to at some point if I get the time. But uh, if people check out, I did a piece called um, Three Ways to Leverage Best Ball at ADP. And I talked a little bit about the Wilson Chubb stuff before it became really commonplace in that article. But another thing that I talked about was pairing mobile quarterbacks with their running backs. And uh, I think it worked really well with two quarterbacks in the window. So something I've been kind of into doing is actually starting like basically making a really big reach in the first round. Um, I might not have to do this anymore if Barkley starts falling into the third, but I doing Jonathan Taylor with one of Barkley or Pollard in my first two rounds and then taking both Daniel Jones or taking both Anthony Richardson and then like either Daniel Jones or Dak, like one of the quarterbacks that pairs with whatever running back I take. Cause you kind of wind up in the spot where you potentially get players that are really correlated season long positively because you're betting on the offense, but then are kind of negatively correlated week to week in almost a good way where let's say you have a team of Richardson, Taylor, Barkley, Jones, Ideally, one of the playoff weeks, Taylor spike week, multiple Taylor rushing touchdowns probably means Anthony Richardson's not having a great week because all the touchdowns went to Taylor on the ground instead of Richardson. Hopefully that same week, Daniel Jones is picking you up and he's doing it throwing them, you know, not Barkley, right? Maybe you have Daniel yeah. Jones and Barkley and mm -hmm. Waller and then you're hitting that back. And then the next week, 
like you're still really excited to have Richardson and you're still really excited to have Barkley because you've made these season long bets on your offense. You're in the finals now. So you're probably correct about these offenses being um, better than the market's expecting. But then you have this chance for this low owned player getting into the finals who's been good season long because you've kind of made a direct bet against them, but you have both. It's like, but I think you need to do it with two good quarterbacks because it's harder. Like if you, if your second quarterback sucks, right? Like let's say you do Jalen hurts, Rashad Penny, and your second quarterback is Desmond Ritter. It's like, well, if Penny hits and hurts, doesn't, you probably just got eliminated <laughs> because, yeah. because you probably don't have the juice. So that's been an, that's been my new unique thing is the, is to sort of take two of the running backs that go in round two, one of them in round one, pair them with the two quarterbacks um, and, and build a unique setup that way. So that's, that's my latest unique one, two start from the back half. Yeah. And that's going to be great because Saquon's going to sign his deal eventually. And then Saquon JT is just going to be the norm and it's just going to be back to square one for you of um, reinventing your uh, late round strat or late pick exactly. strategy. Um, so this is this guy's team. I, th- I like this one much better than the first one, two, six, seven, three. I mean, Herbert Dak, do we have, I mean, we have Dallas chargers. We got Denver as a bring back. I mean, Dallas running backs are a little sad. Detroit. But, um, Fair enough, I guess. You know, so uh, the running backs are a little worried. A little stat. I mean, Sharby wants James Conner. That, that I mean, yeah. Cried. But yeah. uh, team's great, enough. but a little, a little weak at running. Whatever that uh, CD Carter uh, video is, or whatever. Love your wide receivers. A little running backs. Back. Uh, I feel like okay. This is a team I'd probably so draft. Just, this is fine. I kind of want a seventh RB, but um. I don't know where, how we get there. Where would you have? Yeah, I mean, maybe. I okay, well, I Gallup guess what I would do but... is I just wouldn't take. I, I guess I probably would not have taken Mr. Prescott. Mr. Who? I probably would not have taken Dak Prescott. I probably yeah. would have taken. Um, so I think what I would have done on this team is I probably would have taken a tight end um, a little earlier so that I'm at, uh, so that I, I make this a two tight end team. And then I probably take a later quarterback, and then I get up to a two seven seven two. But other than that, I, I, I mean, I wonder if this. yeah, I was going to say I think I think passing on Waller at this turn might have been it because instead of you could have taken Waller at this turn, and then yeah. maybe gone Daniel Jones like here. But I mean, you still had Dak, so that's not really big. So of a I'm I am going Waller. That's yeah. I mean, I get probably Waller here yeah. running back because you've deferred running back. But I think if you're kind of thinking about it proactively. Taking Waller there instead of a running back buys you an extra running back spot. Yeah, because right? you're going to have to win with quantity at that point. If you're not taking your first running back until round seven, you have to win with quantity. Yeah, so I'm going Javante and Waller, and then I'm going to go, uh, you know, probably taking like Brian Robinson and Khalil Herbert, probably double topping them at that next spot. And then yeah. I'm taking my second tight end really late. I'm taking my second quarterback. Maybe I take Goff um, when he comes back around. But yeah, that's probably where I'm, I'm leaning with it. So I'd give I give it like a B plus. I think the only thing yeah, is if, if you could have figured out a way to get to uh yeah like B plus A minus. I think it's a fine team. It's just like that one little critique. Now I like uh, it more than the other one. Uh yeah, way more. Um, our I, team, I mean that team could easily win basketball mania. I think it's like it's fragile. Oh yeah. But if Javante is a massive smash and he's fully healthy, then he could be like a round three level pick, and then you're you're rolling. Yeah, exactly. I mean Javante like Connor like it's a it's a good team. Um, the one we drafted, I think, is pretty sweet. We got Brown, Devonte, Devonte, oh. dude, 
mid to early early second Devonte is so so sweet. It's I want so to see him podcast more about how bad Devonte is. I, I <laughs> he's doing. He's done. Set, his entire career has been a service for the fantasy community because he's. Who's, who's this? Oh, I'm, no, I'm saying, like, Sean Siegel has spent his entire life, like, servicing the fantasy community with incredible ideas and just, like, being one of the greatest fantasy analysts of all time. Mm-hmm. But he's also servicing the fantasy community by fighting Devontae Adams and helping us get him in the mid-second. I think that is... This is true. Not 99% of his gifts are telling us who to draft, but this this 1%. I can't ride with you, Sean. Him, him, and, him and Gratch have been, I mean... Um, and Ben knows this because I've, I've, I've ragged on him a bit about it before, but they both faded Adams last year too. So I don't know. Maybe they'll be right you this can, year. Maybe they'll get back. You can get then. Diggs Adams now, man, which is which is pretty fun as well. If Diggs, you know, slips like eight, you get Adams here. You can then maybe even come back. I, I have like one or two teams where I've gotten uh, – I wish – I got a label if I can find that slow, but I, I went Diggs Adams, came back, and got Allen to fall, um, which is – pretty much as good as sex um <laughs> <laughs> so we got Brees hall here uh we got judy Ayuk. i mean it's like a pretty it's a pretty uh standard team here the issue is like i'm just not sure that you understand that Brees hall was put on the pup yesterday um oh no you got one on the <laughs> even though no, i took him in both of these drafts today um with you and with uh karain uh judy Dude, fourth round Brees Hall is going to be a dream. Oh. Uh, I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen, man. Uh, I mean, like, could be Dalvin Cook, could be Fournette. I have and to say, I have to say, fourth round Brees Hall. <laughs> I'd be shot. I'd be so surprised if the Jets actually get Dalvin Cook. I really would. Um, it'd be sh- like, in terms from like a roster building really? standpoint, like Douglas okay. is an analytic driven guy. We now have Carter, Izzy, Zonovan Knight, and Brees Hall. I. I don't know. I can't see them going five RBs. I already kind of think well, that Michael Carter's, cut, getting, cut. Carter's getting cut. Carter's getting cut. Carter guess. or Knight, right? Yeah. Uh, may- maybe Knight comes back down to the practice squad and they cut Carter and then they bring on Cook, but it's like... like, But even, even without Cook, they're probably cutting Carter or Knight. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm... Like, it already feels a little bit crowded. I mean, maybe that doesn't stop them from doing that, but I, I don't know. Douglas has kind of been... I mean, even though he just took a 24-year-old in the first round, he's kind of been moneyball-oriented where he's not trying to spend up on running back or uh, really pay a ton for it, but what do I know? Um, I mean, we got, I don't even care, really, if they <laughs> give Dalvin Cook. Because um, it would be, like, a one-year. But I, Cook well, might want, like, two. Well, whatever. I, I just... Brees Hall is just so much better than him if he's healthy. And we all know what the Brees Hall bet is already. It's yeah. just, is he healthy? Like, that's that's just what it is. If Brees Hall is if Brees Hall's healthy, then he's going to be awesome. And if he's not healthy, then he's not going to be awesome. And yeah. it doesn't really matter to me if Dalvin Cook is there or not, because if Brees Hall, like, if Brees Hall can't play this year because he's too hurt, then he's going to fail anyway. And that's very possible. And that's why he's going in the middle of the third round instead of first overall. And yeah. if Dalvin Cook is there, that all that does is gives them a much better insurance policy if Brees Hall is cooked. But if Brees Hall is Brees Hall that we saw last year, and Dalvin Cook is Dalvin Cook that we saw last year, then Brees Hall is playing them off the field. Yeah. But they can't know what Brees Hall, they can't be 100% sure what Brees Hall they're going to get, just like we aren't. So I totally get why they're hedging their bets. Yeah, it's like almost insurance in a way. It was just 
there's just no way that if Brees Hall is as healthy as we need him to be, to already be a smash in round three, right? We're already comfortable with it. If we're, if we're willing to be overweight Brees Hall in round three, we are already comfortable with the risk that he is irreparably injured in this season. And we're doing that because we think he is a transcendent player. And yep. all of that is true, both the risk and the upside, with Dalvin Cook or without Dalvin Cook. The bet does not fundamentally change. He, healthy Brees Hall, is by far the best running back on the Jets roster, with or without Dalvin Cook. And I think Brock, that is that is exactly the the thing that I'm I'm talking about. Like, that's a right, downside. Right. If he's not if if he's not his normal self, that's what I'm saying. If he's not healthy, I'm not saying he's literally not playing, but I'm saying like that is. That is the risk. If he's Dobbins. currently, that's the risk. Currently, that's the risk. If Cook is there, right? If yeah. Brees Hall is is healthy enough to play games, but he's not the Brees Hall that we watched last year, then he's going to be a bad pick. Like, but Delvin Cook's not changing it, right? Like he's so it's 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 just you're you're making the bet on health. You're weighing the upside versus the downside at health. I think. In round three, it's a clear pick. If Brees Hall did not tear his ACL, I think he would be the first overall pick in fantasy drafts this year. So drafting him in the late third seems like a an absolute steal for that. And if the bet fails, that's fine. I'm just I, I it could easily fail, but I'm making this bet every single time. And if Dalvin falls and we even get cheaper Brees Hall, to me that just bakes an even more risk. If we get like a round four or five turn Brees Hall, I'm drafting him every single draft. I, don't care. I will stake my season on that easily. Yeah, me as well. I'd have him easily 40% or more um, if I could start taking him uh, in the fourth round. Now, I will say the rest of this team, I think, turned out... If you out... take Amari Cooper over Brees Hall, you... Like, <laughs> oh, my God. You hate life. You hate life. Just put your $25 in a bond, maybe. Um, <laughs> so, the rest of this team, the way that it shook out, um, it's solid. We could have gone Pittman over Kittle, but I kind of like, I mean, like 12 picks past ADP pits. I mean, you figure that like these guys have such a high weekly ceiling. I mean, Pitts still yeah. hasn't really demonstrated yet, but with the ADOT and everything, I think that it's there um, that they could just end yeah, up in the flex spot and a half PPR. Where you draft your tight end two before your tight end one, but we did here. Yep. That's exactly, uh, that's exactly what we did, but it was for the sake of the, uh, the Purdy stack. Um, but it's a solid team, three, six, seven, two, kind of an ugly build here. But I like the correlation. Got Pickens to Sharp. We got some Ritter action with Pitts and Roshan. Okay. Solid it's a team. team. It's a fun I like team. It. I mean, our running go backs are probably our running backs are pretty sketch, I guess. Um, yeah. Admittedly, especially early but season. Bro- I'm really pumped that we took Brian Robinson on this team um, because he's exactly what this team needs. Like, this team really needs a guy who can get you nine every week um, at running back. And, and I think Brian Robinson, like, he is, he is the cheapest floor on the board, right? Like he's just going to get carries, and he's going to get, you know, eight to ten points every single week. Um, and then he'll occupy one of the spots, which is, this is what we need, right? If that, if that yeah. Brian Robinson. So that, that's big, because Conte Ingram could easily be a zero. Charbonnet is probably an early season L. Roshan's an early season L. I mean, Lenny, I guess, could just not sign, but uh, even if he doesn't sign in New England, just the fact we like heard his name again and that he's taking workouts, like that, that's encouraging to me because, like, 
you know, we haven't heard anything about Kareem Hunt. It's like, is he interested yeah. in playing football this year? Hard to say. It's like a right? uh, Will Fuller situation with Hunt, or not Hunt, but Hunt. Um, wow. Kareem Hunt. <laughs> I had a buddy, uh, like, in my home league. Um, it was like the year that it was like Kareem Hunt's rookie year, and he named his team. It was like Lick My K Hunt. It was hilarious. Um, all right, so that's the draft. I appreciate you coming on here, uh, Jacob. Another one of these. We've done it again. Thursday yeah. morning stream. Um, I have to imagine your uh, Ireland trip is coming up. Coming up, but I have at least. I want to say I have. I want to say at least have two more um, before I head off to Ireland. So two more, two more early morning streams. All right, sweet. And then, uh, We'll see. Maybe, maybe I'm gonna. I'll put it this way. I'm, I'm. I'm gonna bring my mic and my cam to Ireland just in case I happen to have a free, uh, a free moment. But uh, no count on. All right, sweet. Um, I appreciate you uh, as always making time to come on here. Uh, if you have anything to plug, I know you said uh, you just finished up projections on thinking about thinking, which is very exciting. I'll have to look through those. Yeah, I think it's it. So I, I, I'm starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel of the off-season posts here on uh, on on thinking about thinking. Uh, all the projections are out and I wrote a big post um, alongside those, just kind of talking about interpreting projections. Um, what I think is a useful way to, to look at projections, what I think are, are, uh, are less useful ways to interpret projections. And then kind of my coming post, I'm going to update all my best ball rankings after I've done projections. So I'll be making some changes. Christian Kirk, we'll be moving up. Uh, Mike Williams gonna be moving up. Some some other guys gonna be moving a little down, uh, and then I'm gonna release my first run of redraft rankings. They're gonna be probably tailored towards the FFPC tournaments, but I think you know if you want to use them and draft mostly off of them for like NFFC or for Yahoo leagues, you know it's not that different. And then um, uh, then we're gonna be kind of doing some spotlights on some of the spots and the projections that I think are either places where I really changed my tune after doing them, just places that I think are a lot better, a lot worse, or some really ambiguous spots that I found just very difficult to project that I think are interesting. Uh, and then that'll be kind of uh, a wrap for sort of the best ball specific side, I think. And then we'll be into the off-season Hitchhiker's Guide ramp up. So we'll be doing the spotlight on every single I love that article. 53 man roster um, as we narrow down our list. I'm going to be doing it a little bit differently this year than I've done it in the past, but I'm excited, but we're going to have off season hitchhikers guide content and then into the regular season. So that's what I was going to ask uh, what uh, you're looking at in season. It's going to be mostly the uh, hitchhiker guide. That's going to be the main deal. Yeah. So, I mean, basically if, if you want, if you want a, like hitchhiker's guide-esque approach to every position, I would encourage you to subscribe to Ceiling Signals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because um, Ben does it better than I can. Um, yeah, I'm going to be doing the hitchhiker's guide every week uh, in season. It's going to be probably a little different this year. Um, I don't think I'm going to have it be as like gamified where it's like we're streaming this player by this waiver. I think it's going to be a little bit more of just a general running back usage column and running back strategy column because um, that's my site now and I can write it however I want. <laughs> um, but uh, Beautiful thing. But I think, um, but the off-season stuff I'm pretty excited for. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to do like a, 
Uh, it's not going to be just confined to the zero RB guys. I'm going to do sort of an off-season spotlight on a number of different running backs kind of by group. So I'm going to do like a spotlight on the two, three turn guys. I'm going to do like a big deep dive in each of them. We're going to do a spotlight on like the most ambiguous backfields. I'm going to do a spotlight on ambiguous RB2 training camp battles. So if you want to read probably a 5,000 word article that goes into Josh Kelly versus Isaiah Spiller and Corey Clement versus Keontae Ingram. Oh, that's coming. Um, and, uh, and then eventually I will do kind of the thing that I did last year where I like narrow down my favorite zero RB targets by round. Um, and then we'll, we'll probably do in season. I think I'll kind of like pick a couple interesting running back spots to focus on that are kind of in the news. And then I'm going to kind of rotate through the divisions each week to get like a spotlight on what's been happening in that backfield throughout that season and kind of take both a seasonal and dynasty lens. So it'll be different than last year, but I'm, I'm still quite excited. I'll be bringing that um, as a weekly thing. Yeah, that sounds great. And I'll say um, to anybody out there that doesn't know what the uh, hitchhiker's guide is. A lot of my uh, subscribers, like they'll follow my strategies of zero RB hero RB. And the element of that is, you know, almost streaming your RB2, which I think Jacob does a great job of covering where in season he's going through, you know, how he's playing in terms of guys he's grabbing off of waivers and guys that he's looking at in terms of um, just weekly starts and everything. So it's a great article there. Um, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate everyone that came out here for the stream. I love you guys. And I will see you guys in the next one.